are tuned in to the Roundtable, right here on PSN Radio and YouTube. Alright everybody, welcome to the world famous Roundtable show right here live on psn-radio.com. That's right, the epic roundtable is once again with you. And uh, as always, this is uh, the gentleman they call the Jackal. And with me is the one and only, the head cheese of this show, the HNIC, I guess you can call you, right? I don't know. Maybe, I guess, I guess, I don't know. I don't know, head Head cheese is kind of gross. I wouldn't want to call him that. Cause no, 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 no. Well, let's call him the the the, the head nerd in charge because we're all nerds here, and we're gonna talk about some nerdy yeah. stuff. And I'm talking about Zod Ryder. Zod, how you doing tonight, brother? Well, I'm doing okay, man. It's great to be here. Love to have you on, and love to hear your voice, man. I was kind of worried about you there for a minute. Yeah, I was a little worried too, but man, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> And uh, joining us is the other voice you heard there, the one and only, the ever so busy with his uh, other uh, show, and it's on Nerdy also, by the way, on a nerd network. And uh, it's about graphic novels and stuff that we love here on the show. The one, the only Johnny Alpha coming to us from what galaxy? Somewhere in the uh, Milky Way? Yeah. Or um, outside? Where are you coming from tonight, Johnny? Oh, I don't know. I'm kind of heading towards the Cirrus system, you know, like where we're supposed ah. to come from. They're going to see if there's any truth to that, because I think Ridley Scott's a liar. Kind I of, think so, too. So. But the question <laughs> is, why so serious, Johnny? <laughs> <Do-dum-dish>. <laughs> Johnny, 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 I don't know. I, I, I don't know, Johnny. You think you should take the red pill or the blue pill? Which one? Um, I'm definitely not taking the black pill because incels scare me. So um, I'll take them both and see if I get fucked up. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just, yeah that's kind of that's kind of my idea too. I'm thinking, thinking I'm gonna go purple tonight. I don't like pills uh, to begin with. I'm, I'm gonna have myself a uh, sweet tart instead. <laughs> yeah, there that's, you go. that's all right. I'll, I'll take your pills too, Jackal. Like, there you <laughs> go. We know Johnny's the party guy in the group, so we got, you know, hey. (laughs) I I like the party. I hang out with Hot Rod. I like the party. There you go. Mm, Sweet tarts. Mm, They rot your teeth. Mm, mm, mm. They're so good. Something but compressed sugar with taste. That's good enough for me. They have different flavors. All kinds of cool stuff. Guys, we have a, a pretty decent show tonight. I know sometimes we say that and we really don't mean it, but we have to say it because that's the way you know, radio works. But tonight we actually mean it. We have a pretty good uh, lineup of things to talk about. And uh, while the economy is still, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, everybody's closed up. Theaters are closed up. There's always stuff to talk about. There's always uh, news coming in and out of Hollyweird. And uh, hopefully we have a, a long list of uh, stuff to talk about. I know there's some Doom Patrol info on there we're going to get to in a little bit, which I'm a huge fan of the Doom Patrol comics and the TV series. So this is uh, exciting stuff. Uh, we have uh, the first images of Superman and Lois from the new CW series coming out. We're going to talk about and discuss a little bit how our, you know how we feel on the casting and on the show itself. And I'm going to swallow my sweet tart. 
Mm, so good. And uh, there's a lot more on there that we're going to get to. Uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully everybody's sitting back, relaxed, staying, staying safe, and, uh, you know, corona-free. And I don't mean the beer, even though that would come in handy right now. But uh, it's been 16 years. I'm trying to stay sober. I don't want to yeah. fall off that wagon. <laughs> I, I'd only say drink Corona if you're hanging out with Vin Diesel. Otherwise, stay away from mm. that. Such, such nasty beer. I never drank that even back when I used to drink. Yeah. You no, know the, I'm more of a Miller High Life man myself. You look like a Miller High Life type of guy. Yeah, that's like Miller Light, Miller High Life. You know, that's, yeah. The sh- it's the champagne of bottled beers. It's yes. The I'm the cheap bastard. If I had to drink, I'd be like, Budweiser? No. If you were cheap, you'd drink Miller High Life or Paps. Dude, Budweiser's like somewhat expensive, dog. Like, Or Keystone. You could be a total redneck and drink Keystone. Well, yeah, lately I've, I've been drinking the Blue Ribbon. So, you know. Yeah, Paps. They're basically the Dr. Pepper of beer. It doesn't taste like anything else. Like, it right. Just has this weird it has this weird, unique taste to it, which is good because if you're trying to gauge whether or not you have the uh, you have the virus that's going around and you can taste that weird taste, you're okay. True story. Yeah. 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 That's one thing they said. If you have a swollen tongue and you can't taste anything, you might be contagious, which is funny because they're saying, yeah, if you're contagious, don't go to a hospital. I was like, wait a second. Isn't the whole purpose, like, of the hospitals? Yeah, don't go to the hospital unless you're having <laughs> trouble breathing. If you're having trouble breathing, then go to the hospital. The rest of the time, just administer yourself at home. You'll probably live longer. <laughs> well, if you're going to a hospital and you have some trouble breathing, uh, you know, uh, good luck with that. Because <laughs> uh, you might not come out of that hospital. Right, right, right. Yeah. Because of the, the, mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole ventilator situation. Yeah. It reminds that, that, me of that scene from that the great film, Blood and Blood Out, where the dude's like, no, man, don't take me to the hospital. Why not, man? Because people die there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, though. <laughs> you know, it's funny that they're saying that the, the ventilators, and we're going to get to like more fun stuff, guys, but it's just like a quick anecdote that I found to be kind of like amusing. Uh, you know, they're going like ape nuts over the uh, ventilators. We need more over here. We need some over there. 40,000 in New York. And then, like, they stored 25,000 in storage because they didn't really need that many. Uh, or, like, almost 30,000, I think, at, at some point. But the funny thing is they're finding out now, and it's not really funny. It's kind of tragic. But uh, with this current virus, this COVID-19, as it turns out, um, if you put some money in a ventilator, you're actually accelerating the death of the person. Uh, because that stuff drives your lungs even more, and right, uh, right. By that point, not a good combo. You on, your your lungs are damaged anyway, and by putting you on that, yeah, you're just accelerating it, making it worse. So, yeah, that's why so many people that go on it die. Exactly. So I think we're better off uh, just you know chilling. If you get a like sore throat or. If you're, you know, if you have a runny nose, you're good, supposedly, because this, like, completely dries your, you know, inside. But if you have, like, for example, a weird cough, but no phlegm coming on, you know, if you guys are listening, that might be corona, stay far away from the hospital. (laughs) I'm just telling you right now, like, just lock yourself in, uh, drink a lot of Theraflu, you know, uh, stay, you know, hydrated as much as possible. 
uh, and just take care of yourselves. Uh, just a, a you know a little uh, roundtable warning for anybody who might be listening, because uh, as it is from the reports that I've seen, guys, it's uh, one of those things where the last thing you want is to be on a respirator, straight up, because that's not going to help. And then they start putting stuff on you like morphine, which I don't know if you guys know this, but when you start getting morphine in your system, it's a wrap for you because that's going to accelerate heart failure and all kinds of stuff. So while they are supposedly trying to help you live longer, they're actually pushing you towards an earlier grave. So that's what it sounds like. And uh, that's a little scary, and you know, coming from uh, the medical institutions that are supposed to be helping us. But uh, just a PSA kind of warning for our, our loyal listeners. You know, you know, just be careful with the respirators. Be careful with the hospitals. Uh, now, Johnny, uh, we have, uh, like I said, a bunch of like different news uh, stories to go over. Uh, but hopefully, uh, you know, anybody who's listening in who uh, enjoys some of the stuff we're going to cover or want, and wants to drop their two cents, call on in. You know, the number is 786-245-8127. And uh, you can also look us up on Skype by checking out PSN Radio. That's right, the one and only PSN-Radio. Easy to find and easy to join in. Johnny, what's the first thing we're going to cover tonight? Uh, this one's actually something I'm actually pretty excited for because I absolutely love the comic. It's based off of the old guard. It's basically kind of like if Tom Clancy ever wrote the Highlander. It's about an elite tactical squad of immortals who kind of get found out that they can't die and then they have to try to stop people from finding out but uh and netflix is doing a live adaption adaptation starring one miss charlize theron and we get our first image of her as the main character which yeah you guys can look for yourself and you know it's charlize theron there's no way you guys are going to be like oh yeah that, that's ugly but <laughs> it, it's still pretty cool news <laughs> For me, at least, because I absolutely adore the graphic novel. Greg Rucka writes the hell out of it, and well, how can you not love um, military immortals? Like that's just gangster. that's up my alley. You know, I'm a military enthusiast, and uh, immortals, yeah, sounds so what, interesting. It sounds it, really good, actually. Wow. Yeah, when is that uh, supposed to? I, I love Highlander, so I'm so I'm I'm stoked about this. Heck yeah. Hey, remember, there could only be one Highlander. I'm just, I'm, and I'm also <laughs> really excited because Netflix is doing just killer with these small comic adaptations. We had Lock and Key and, um, uh, what's it called? October Faction both get series earlier this year, which were both phenomenal, great IDW books. They did Polar a couple years ago with Mads Mikkelsen, which is a graphic novel series that Dark Horse puts out. And now this, and I'm just like, ooh, it's so good. Oh, and then also that Chris Hemsworth movie I talked about last week was based off an Oni graphic novel. It's terrible, but the the graphic novel's terrible, but the movie actually came out very good, which, like, most people are like, how does that happen? Most good graphic novels turn out to be terrible films, but, True you know, story. whatever. The, the, the Rizzos can pull that shit off, I guess. True story. Uh, so when is this going to hit again? Uh, what, what's the release on this? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think they said when it's coming out. They just um, are kind of Announced it. production um, shots of her as the character right now. So they're filming it, I believe. Gotcha. 
Uh, well, I mean, sure. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Um, she kind of looks like a man boy <laughs> in this picture, or a girl boy. Uh, but uh, Charlize Theron is pretty damn hot as it is. So, um, yeah, this looks cool. I mean, I will definitely check it out. I like checking out her work anyway. If you catch what I'm saying. Uh, but uh, man, I, you see, there's always stuff happening, even uh, during the uh, lockdown. It's always news. This is this is cool news, though. It, see, this is what I was, I've talked about on the show, guys. Uh, it's you know something different than most uh, major outlets, uh, you know, or most major fans, I should say, are not really uh, too familiar with. This is the kind of stuff I think would do well, and it's you know military stuff involved in there. You know, it's uh, it's just something different. I think the audience would like really uh, you know latch onto this, and it's uh, on, on Netflix. So, well, well, it'll go wrong. Is, like I said, it, it's kind of like the Highlander and in the graphic novel. Like yep. each of the each of the characters, you get their backstories, so you get these really cool flashbacks, and they're all from different warring periods. So you get That's this kind cool. of neat look into all this different stuff, like from Rome and then from the Napoleonic age, like all, all different eras, because they don't all they're not all from the same time period. They just kind of get found like one day there's like they get killed and they didn't stay dead so and then they can just kind of find each other and like that's just this group of them that kind of work together and do like this elite military tactical stuff and most people just think they're a merc team but well they are but like they also have a secret why they're so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we're gonna find out what that secret is when the show uh pops up in the, the next uh five years because we have no idea. Uh, uh, I'm wondering, <laughs> It'll probably be up next year. I'm wondering what I'm wondering what the what the reality is going to be. You know, on a on a side note, relating to all this stuff with movie theaters. You know, in terms of yep. how things are going to be, because you know, there's some reports out there saying that this virus might never go away. It might be with us indefinitely. So, if that's the case, how do you have movie theaters in the sense that in the way that we're used to having them you know in conjunction with new material and stuff For, with with that being said you look at you know stuff like this with you know like netflix projects and mm -hmm. streaming and it becomes more and more important you know like yep. streaming streaming now more than ever is the way to go because it's going to edge out movie theaters because who's going to risk their life just to go to the movie theater and see and see a film. I mean, well, just... uh, eventually things get back to normal when it comes to that kind of stuff because you know one thing that you gotta understand: the human body builds immunity to these kind of things also. And the longer we stay locked in, actually, the worse it is because we're avoiding building that immunity. We have to intermingle, unfortunately, and this is a sad reality. We're gonna have losses. People are gonna die. Um, there's going to take a huge had, hit. We've had a lot of losses, so it's there's going to be more. It's yeah. just that's the way humankind has always worked. And we've gone through epidemics, black plagues, uh, you know, LAPD, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, and there's been losses, deaths, and you know, we just we continue forward, and that's how the human species adapts and builds immunities to these things. The longer we stay locked up, the actual worse it is for us. Uh, one that's good to like slow that curve for a couple of months. You don't want to do this permanently because then you don't allow nature to take its course. Right. You know, that's just uh, a common fact. And all viruses, uh, you know, 
unless it's something sexually transmitted, like AIDS or something, uh, where it's been nearly impossible to come up with like a cure for it, uh, you know, and even the human body can't cure because it keeps mutating and they're always coming up with different cocktails for it and stuff to try to keep people alive. Uh, with something like uh, the coronavirus, which is a, a, a strain of the flu, we do know that it goes away during some periods, during other periods. Now, we don't know this one exactly because it's different and in some nature it's mutated from the other viruses similar to it in the past, other flu viruses. So it's not exactly dealing on the same ballpark. But with that said, uh, you know, we've gone through, like, you know, stuff in the past, like the H1N1, which they thought it was going to wipe half of the planet away, and it didn't do that. Uh, you know, that's just a common fact. Look, I go out, I have lupus, I have all kinds of health issues. I go out and I intermingle with folks, you know, and uh, I haven't gotten sick yet. Now, I might be lucky, uh, where other people are not as lucky. Um, you know, I've had a few family members get sick. I had a couple of family members in another country die. I had a family member in Spain who passed away over it. Uh, but they were hit really hard in Spain um, to the point where it wasn't shocking when I heard some of the numbers because, you know, I know how the Spaniards are. When you have something like this, you want to, like, slow it down, but then you have to, you know, slowly go back to normal and, and let just nature take its course. Uh, so I think theaters in general, within a year or so, are going to start seeing the numbers pick back up and it's going to get better. Uh, they they cannot stay closed forever because they will literally all go out of business. They really would. On top of on top of all the, on top of all of what you just said, though, like they're also still working on a vaccine, which is yeah. probably going to be coming out. Um, I don't know, maybe by next year. Who knows? It, it's mm-hmm. it's really complicated from what i've heard like this thing's crazy but um they are working hard on one so yep you know that that's another thing that's going to happen and people are going to be able to go out and you know resume normal life again is um when that finally hits yep and remember uh i i know about hydroxychloroquine because it's a you know it's for lupus so i was actually supposed to be on that i haven't taken it for years but I know that the ZPAC and a bunch of other stuff they've talked about has you know helped a lot of people out. So there's ways to like you know do it at home and and kind of like uh, you know get yourself healthier and overcome it. I know a couple of people who had it and they took care of it, self quarantine, and they got over it and they're fine now. Uh, so it's one of those things, you know. It, it's you know when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. That nobody's gonna take that away. That's just you know the way things work. Uh, if it's not your time, it's not your time, and uh, you just you can't live life you know scared to go out in public because then how are you gonna like mate? How are you gonna find a, a person that you can be with and be intimate with? Because you're gonna be worried every time she goes out and touches something like a Publix or at a fast food place or at a grocery store. You can't live like that either. You know you gotta at some point just say hey you know screw it. We're gonna go on with our lives, you know. If well, things happen, I'm, things happen. I'm, an, I'm an essential employee, anyways, man. I yeah. still work 50 hours a week, so like everybody being shut in, like I don't even know what that's like yet. So it, for me, it's like welcome to my party. I've been shut in since December because of my leg surgery, so and I have at least two more months of of that nonsense to uh, deal with before it's completely, you know, healed. Uh, so, I mean, that, when people complain, I'm like, what are you complaining about? 
Welcome to my world. I've been doing this before you even got on the bandwagon of being shut in. You know, like, it's, it's not that bad, you know. But diving back into news, this is somewhat tangentially connected because mm-hmm. Netflix is also working on a live action adaptation of this as well. Um, Neil Gaiman's Sandman is going to yes. be done as an audio drama by Audible, and the great Mr. James McAvoy is going to be voicing the main character, Morpheus. How do you guys feel about this? Zod? I'm super excited, not only because of McAvoy, but because of uh, Zack Snyder's dark side, Ray Porter. He's doing some voiceovers in it as well. So oh, I'm super cool. excited. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I, I love, you know, Sandman and can't yep. wait to see what Audible does with it because honestly, Audible knocks it has been knocking it out of the park lately with their with their uh dramas and stuff, uh in regards to graphic novels and things. The stuff done with uh aliens with by uh, Dirk Meggs is incredible. I mean they, they adapted that Alien Three script and so now anything they do you know, I'm I'm going to be drawn to it like a magnet, and I can't wait. I think this is going to be wonderful. Well, I'm just actually happy to see something with, um, you know, Hollywood ca- um, cast going forward with this because honestly, like the Sandman has been in production in some way or another as long as the book's been out. I mean, and like there's never been really any forward momentum on it. There's like that we had the Joe Gordon Levitt movie series that was supposed to be a couple years ago. Now Netflix is supposedly adapting it. And I think they probably have the best bet, but I'm not even sure how long that's gonna take. I kind of think that some of the stuff in the book is unfilmable. So well, I think that's this might why be that's why bet. audio yeah, that's why audio will probably be the best the best thing for it. Because you can do more with audio and you don't have to worry about the budget for the for the uh for the filming. So Yeah, but at some point I'd like to see an actual like live adaptation, like a, either a series or movie of Sandman, like If there's ever been a graphic novel that you know the mass people don't know about and they really should check out, even if it's done on a on a Netflix or a streaming service somewhere, it'll be cool to get something like that. I mean, uh, just to see something completely different done. Uh, And uh, James McAvoy, McAvoy, it's a fantastic actor, and he does a lot of really cool, like uh, you know, characters. And he's one of these actors; he really like becomes the character. Very method, so I mean, I, I can only assume even his voice is going to change for the uh, audio and stuff. He would be cool to have in a live version of like Sandman. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, because I just got done watching that um, His Majesty's Dark Matters or whatever it's called. That um, yeah, and he played um, a magical dickhead in that. So I think yep. that, and like he had kind of had like this kind of angry, foreboding voice in it, which I kind of like. Now that I'm hearing that, like it would actually be really good for Morpheus because Morpheus yep. is, you know, kind of a magical dickhead. Yeah, he's a total yeah. asshole. But he, he's a very interesting character. At the same time, he's just he's he's not a nice. He's person. a magical. He's a magical dickhead, but he's not a retarded wizard. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting all you a bull on us now. Fuck yourself. I got one thing to say. Ah, poor Max. Uh, well, 
Uh, I, you know, it, it's funny because as the uh, X-Men uh, series is uh, completely now uh, gone from his hands, you'll, you'll want to play uh, Professor Xavier again. Uh, this is a good little on because, I mean, I, like I said, I like McAvoy. I think he's a, a heck of an actor. I, actually, I would like to see him in maybe something, uh, you know, WB-related or DC-related. Uh, I, as a, I always thought that they should just go along with him being young Patrick Stewart and everything and do, um, like, J.J. Abrams do a reboot of Next Generation and have him be Picard. Like, that would be awesome. <laughs> 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 Don't have J.J. Abrams do it, for the love of God. <laughs> or, or, something like, like what, or something, you know, like in the Kelvin universe, like that he could yeah, 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 somebody yeah. that... But yeah, have have James McAvoy be the new Picard. I think that would be hilarious. Just like he can't get away from playing young Patrick Stewart from now on. <laughs> That'd be I funny. Think that would be hilarious as well. And who knows? I mean, it could... It could happen. They've got more. Uh, they've got more seasons of that Picard show coming oh, up. God, so, I hope know. not. Oh fuck that could show! End up with flashbacks with young Picard and end up with uh, McAvoy in the role. You know? <laughs> Does anybody remember? And and I'm just throwing this out there that you know Tom Hardy of mm-hmm. all people just played Al Capone in yep. Josh Trank's new movie. Played Captain Picard, played a clone of Captain Picard in Star Trek Nemesis. Does everybody remember that? Yep. I'm just pointing out there, you know, Bane, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's had so many roles. He's come a long way, hasn't he? Jeez. And he looked like none of them. Because <laughs> if you look at him in, like, um, Nemesis, he was such a tiny little dude in that. Like, yeah. Think of, you, know, you see him, like, in Venom or Mad Max where he wasn't even Bane huge. Like, you're just like, how were you that small just a couple years ago? Like, it's crazy. That's the magic of Hollywood. That's the magic of human growth hormone, brother. That's what that, that is. Well, that too. You can thank uh, Sylvester Stallone for making that popular in Hollywood. Uh, he did that for many, many years. And that's how he's 70, oh, close to 80, and he's still probably my ass without a problem. Yeah, he looks like he's 40. Like when I watched I know, the, uh, that terrible last Rambo movie, he looked like he looked like maybe he was like about to turn fifty, and you're like, no, yeah. he's about to turn ninety, and you're just like, <laughs> yeah. not even possible. Yeah, he's about to turn ninety. The only movie recently that where Stallone looks, you know, where Stallone actually is starting to look old, like really, really old, is uh, the Creed movies. But that's only because he's playing Rocky. And Rocky is supposed to age like a normal human being, not like Rambo. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Or, you know. You know, but the funny part about that is they actually use a little bit of makeup to make him look older. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, <laughs> he really does look good for his age. I mean, you know, you see you see him in all these movies. He was just in, uh, wasn't he? Just in like a new. Uh, What's that? What's that movie? Escape Plan? Wasn't he just in a new one recently? Not long ago, yeah. It was like the third one or something like that. Second or third one. I don't know. There's been quite a few of them so far, and I think he was just in one recently. But it just it went straight to video. But still, yeah, I think only the yeah, I think the first one is the only one that went to theaters. The the sequel, yeah. One, yeah. 
I didn't like part two. Like Fifty Cent had a bigger part in it, and I always liked yep. to support Curtis, but like it wasn't nowhere near as good as the first 100%. one. <laughs> the support fir- the first Curtis. Movie was, <laughs> the first movie support. is so good, though. I love the first Escape Plan. Like him yep. and Arnie just were just had fun being stupid in that movie, and that, that's what made it so good, in my opinion. You know, it's funny, I heard, uh, well, I I saw an interview with Stallone, and they asked him, uh, in the 80s, did he really hate Arnold Schwarzenegger? And he said, I hated his guts. And they were like, really? And and he goes, yeah. I mean, I'll do a movie, and then he'll do a movie that was ripping me off. And they're like, like what? And he goes, I did Rambo. He did Commando. Duh. And I was yeah, like, Commando didn't really rip yes. off Rambo. He just kind of made fun of Green Berets in it. Like that was there was a poke at Rambo in it. Yeah, but, like, Commando is a way different film. Like that no, no, like but think about it. Think about it, though. The movie's name was Rambo, and then Schwarzenegger comes out with Commando. Like <laughs> even the title is kind of like you know, like yeah, you almost ripping him off. Kind of sort of. Eat for breakfast. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> well, it's hard to I mean, pick. You guys, know I'm, you guys know I'm partial to director's cuts, and I think the Commando director's cut is head and shoulders above the theatrical version. I agree. And, <laughs> why deny yourself the pleasure of that, honestly? Come on, Dylan. Or come on, yeah, what was his name? Bennett. Come on, Bennett. Put down the gun. Why deny yourself the pleasure? The greatest Arnold Schwarzenegger line ever, man. Like, why that... deny yourself the pleasure? That and get to the chopper. And go get to the chopper. Yeah, the Predators is full of them. Like do it, yeah. do it now. Great too. Like, see, this, that's been the issue uh, with the uh, sequels to Predator. He hasn't been in any of them, and it without Schwarzenegger in Predator, it it just doesn't work right. You know, he really should have done either. Well, part two he didn't do. You know, because he was doing something else, and uh, he was busy and they just couldn't get him but I'm surprised he hasn't come back to that franchise all these years right. later because they've never said that his character was dead they talk about how his report was filed so right, obviously yeah. uh, Dutch is still alive in universe or at least as far as like Adrian Brody and everybody else in the other films have led on so yeah I'd be down to see Arnie return I've I've actually liked all the Predator movies so far none of them past the first one but i i really like the second one man bill paxton is just gold in that film man like he's hilarious bill paxton is gold in just about every role i've seen him in to be honest with you like uh yeah yeah i like bill paxton yeah yeah he was was an icon he was a true character actor and just a -a one-of-a-kind dude he's crazy texas son of a bitch man i miss him (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that, that that dude, I'll tell you what, man. Bill Paxton is somebody that, for years and years and years and years and years, uh, was very underrated as an actor, extremely underrated. Um, and it's it's a shame because he was a heck of an actor. So he was that's... always one of my favorites. Ever since I was a little kid and I saw Aliens, him as Hudson, man, like yep. he blew me away. Like nobody has ever played a crybaby except for maybe Mike Epps' Day Day in Friday the Friday movie <laughs> has played a crybaby as awesome as Bill Paxton did in that film. I mean, he actually made you love a fucking little whiny crybaby ass dude. And it was, yep. <laughs> hey, game over, pal. Game over. 
And of course, how can we forget, he played the most iconic character in the history of cinema. Shit from Weird Science. How can we forget yeah. that? Oh, yeah, for real. I mean, come on. That was the greatest character the 80s had was shit. Yeah, Chet, man. It was yeah, <laughs> pretty good. Can't deny, can't deny that. I mean. Now make yourself one. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you wearing a woman's underwear? He takes the, the, takes the, the uh, towel off and he gives it to him. He's like butt-ass naked. <laughs> like, you're, you're embarrassing yourself. Like, dude, Cover look at you. yourself up, yeah. <laughs> uh, when he's a giant turd in the middle of the, uh, the kitchen, he's like, hey, guys, how's it going? Like, all of a sudden, now he's changed. He's no longer shit. Yeah, <laughs> That was one of the greatest animatronics ever. Like the the, the poop chet. That was yeah. Whoever so designed that, they they should have got awards for it, man. Dude, that is honestly that was better like designed than even Pizza the Hut or Job of the Hut. To be honest, that was just hysterically uh, the well done animatronics for, for the day that they did that uh, to to pull that character off and make it hysterical like they did. It was really well done. I gotta I gotta agree with you. Many right, awards right. should have should have been on that. And uh, another movie I don't know if you guys are familiar with this is actually one of my favorite thrillers, uh, probably ever. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but he did the movie Frailty. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, directed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The, the film he directed, the only film he yep. directed. It. Good horror movie, man. I'm telling you, he should have done more directing in his uh, time with us. Uh, because he was a really good director in that movie, and I would have loved to see like what else he could have put together as a director. Uh, that movie, like when I saw it, everybody's like, "Dude, you gotta watch Frailty. And I was like, "Really? It didn't really do all this." And mind you, at that time when it came out, I was working at a Blockbuster Video, and everybody's like, "Bro, you gotta, you gotta copy and just take it home and watch it." And I was like, "Are you serious? Is that good?" And everybody's like. You haven't heard of the movie, right? And I'm like, no. I just, I just know the name, I've, but I haven't seen any commercials or anything, right? And they're like, don't watch anything. Just go in blindly and watch it. And when yeah, I saw the it, the trailer like, for it sucks. The trailer for it doesn't give you anything. It kind of makes you all. think that it's going to be like some kind of police house thriller where they're just questioning a person. Yep. Like it doesn't show you anything from the film, which which is brilliant. It kept yeah. you like it kept you in the dark completely, which I I loved that you could do that back then. You can't do that now with you know the way technology is, the way it's, you know. Remember that that movie came out in two thousand and one. We're a couple of years you know completely removed from the Phantom Menace and the comedy. People went to theaters just to see the trailer for that thing. Um, so I mean, technology now is to the point that the trailer hits, everybody's going to see it and dissect it and talk about it. And you're going to make an ass out of yourself if the guy doesn't train for the role like John Campia a lot, uh, which we're going to get to in a minute because that's a ridiculous story. Uh, but, you know, it, it's a completely different time. And then you couldn't keep that storyline secret with the way things are on the internet right now because it was such a, a really brilliantly put together script. And McConaughey nailed that part. See, that was the movie that did it for me with Matthew McConaughey where I was like, I'm a fan. This guy's a great actor, and yeah, it really it, and it took a great director to get that performance from him, and it was brilliant on both parts. It, it's one of the ones that really did it for me. It's it's the films yep. like that where he shines too. Like, yep. um, 
people I, I like his big budget films they're fine but movies like mud and frailty and um what's that other one lincoln lawyer like those are the movies where matthew mcconaughey actually just performs and you can see like the greatness in him what's that other one that he did the um where he's the crazy sheriff that's trying to he's going to kill the girl's mom for the money killer joe crazy joe something like that really fucking cool weird movie that he was in yep 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 there's one film that nobody knows about where he's actually his best like That's if you like him a, yeah. from True Detective, then you yep. should check these films out because like he channels that same kind of just insane, scary energy into the roles in these films as well. I'll tell you what, another movie that did it for me, and I saw it, and I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, was the uh, Dallas Buyers Club, where he uh, you know p- uh, played the uh, AIDS patient who was uh, dying, and he befriended Jared Leto. Yeah, very tough movie to watch. Uh, but his performance, the way he like lost all that weight for the role, and like he really committed himself to that performance, and you know it paid off. He won an Oscar for it. So, I mean, the the guy deserves every bit of that nomination and award. And uh, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, well deserved. That's where he started. He, he, yeah, he started as Wooderson, and now he's probably like. Yeah, he's he's probably the coolest actor in Hollywood right now. Like he he edges out Brad Pitt just by a little bit by be, for being the coolest mofo. I gotta agree with okay. that. And I like Brad Pitt's movies, but yeah, McConaughey's he's a really really well, cool actor. Oh, I'm just talking about like their personalities and how they are as people too. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You, you just always hear good things, and they always mm-hmm. just like seem happy and you know just down to do whatever. I guess Keanu's on that list too. He's right. Th- those three are like you know, the coolest. Which is funny because for a long time we had the the Keanu memes where he's like all sad and stuff, and you're like, he really isn't that sad. Come on, he's a multimillionaire, great actor, loved by everybody. You never hear a negative thing out that thing out of Keanu Reeves. Like he's just everybody says he's like the nicest person you're ever going to meet in person. Well, the thing about the uh, sad know. memes is he was going to try to help those homeless people feel better. Like yeah. he actually went and hung out with them, and and was learning their stories and talking to them to try to yeah. at least give them a little hope. So even like the sad Keanu memes wasn't really about him being sad, or if he was, it was because he actually felt for the people he was, you know, connecting with at the moment. So it wasn't. I, I never thought it was as funny as a lot of people did, but because I understood what he was trying to do or was doing. And most other famous people don't even, you know, give a shit, so. Yeah. Like, man, Bill Paxton, it's just, like, brought so many memories of, like, different movies he's been in, man. Like, Aliens and Jesus. Even where? Terminator, where he was the punk rock guy that gets killed at the beginning. Everything, Washington, yeah. Tomorrow, nothing clean, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a brilliant career. It's just, uh, you know, when you look back, you see some of the actors that are, that come and go and then pass away. And, and then you're like, man, why did this guy leave so early? Because he wasn't that old, too, when he passed away. He, uh, what was it, 2017? He was like 60 or 61, something like that. And he didn't look it, too. He was one of these guys. He always looked younger than who he was. So, I mean, and I was... pretty spry. One of the last things he did was that Texas Rising miniseries where he played Sam Houston. Um, which was actually really good. I, I, I really enjoyed that show. It had Brendan Fraser. It had um, 
Jeffrey Dean Morgan had a really good cast. Yeah, like, and, he, and I mean, and his death and his death also killed the Training Day remake too. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. yeah, which yeah, yeah, which the I have the first episode of still um, that I got at the library, and he was glorious in it, man. The scene with the rocket launcher, I was just like, Paxton, man, you could do anything, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's almost like the same thing that happened with um, Patrick Swayze in that that show that he was on like yeah. right before he passed. Oh yeah, 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 The Beast. Yeah, they did. It got renewed for he did a he did the first season. It got renewed for a second season, but he died before they could do the second season, so they ended up canceling the show. Another great loss, Patrick. I mean, that's another actor that nobody ever had a bad thing to say about. I mean, exactly. It's a, it's a shame. It's like these saying goes, guys. The good die young, and the uh, bad, you know, apples, the velvets of the world, they live on forever. <laughs> if you catch my drift. The Velvetas. Yes. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, rest in peace to Bo Paxton. Even though it's a few years later, we have never mentioned it really on the show. But uh, I think we're all in unison to saying that he was a cool-ass actor and a great uh, one directing gig, uh, and it's shame he didn't get more. I mean, it really is it's a shame he didn't do more. I know he did short stuff, you know, here and there, but uh, I'm pretty sure didn't he do at least one more movie? You sure that was the only one he did? Um, I'm not, I know that that was his debut, and I'll have to IMDb him, but I, 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 as far as I know, that's like his only like released work that was put out like widely, at least. I mean, I'm not sure, but I could have sworn I saw how he did, like, I think one more. I know he did a couple of short movies, you know, back, a while back, but I was uh, I was thinking he had done something else. I know, I think his son, James Paxton, is also doing uh, acting now. He also had a, a kind of a music career, too, which was kind of cool. He did an album called Martini Ranch with the guys yeah. from Devo. Which um, is pretty funny, and then like he did some uh, reggae songs for the movie Club Dread with the Broken Lid guys, which are hilarious, man. For his Coconut Pete character, yeah. he should have gotten an award for that too, man. Coconut Pete was so great. <laughs> agreed, agreed. So, R.I.P. to a legend in Hollywood, Bill Paxton, and uh, hopefully we don't lose uh, Matthew McConaughey anytime soon. No. Oh, speaking of which, man, did you guys see the gentleman? His newest, the Guy Ritchie movie that he was. In it just hit video finally. No, uh, it, it, did it come uh, on any of the streaming services, or how can we get? You know, oh, yeah. we, don't, we don't have video anymore either. Right? It's all streaming now. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, well, yeah, no, you could probably VOD it. Um, I don't know if they still have pay per view, but yeah, like I'm pretty sure it's on VOD. Um, and it probably has been. I think it got released around the same time on VOD as uh, Bloodshot, but they've. Put, just put the DVD out, and I bought that as well because like I have all the Guy Ritchie movies. But it's really cool. He's like this. Um, he like is like the king of weed dealers in England, and basically like he wants to kind of retire and sell his business. And all these people think that that makes him weak, so they kind of try to come after him. And he got to fuck some shit up. And ooh, it's good. Really nice. cool movie. Really funny. Really fun. You know, Guy Ritchie really delivers on this one. If you like like Snatch and Lockstock and the good Guy Ritchie films, yeah. this one's right there with him. I, I like Guy Ritchie as a director. In fact, I've I've liked even uh, some of his so-called bad movies. You know, like as a director, I I never had an issue with him, and I love Snatch. You know, that's oh, I, well, the movie and the actual thing. You know, I, I like them both, but uh, that movie, man, I, I still go back. That Brad Pitt nailed that role. The 
the the way everybody was just in that movie, I thought was just perfect casting. And uh, he's done two films I disliked. One was that uh, movie he made with Madonna while he was still married to her. And the other I don't one count that as a movie because she's in it. Like I don't count her as an actress. Like <laughs> I can't take her serious. And, I'm sorry. And then I didn't like I didn't like his Man from Uncle, but I. I'm one of the few people that absolutely love that King Arthur movie he made with Charlie Hannum. I thought that was excellent, and I love his um, Sherlock Holmes films. I'm actually excited yeah. that he's making a third one of those. Oh, and I guess I hate Aladdin, too. I always forget that he directed that. Yes, I forgot about that. I do hate that movie with passion. I, I, but I don't like musicals. That's the thing. I'm not a musical type of guy. So, uh, you know, that. It's probably why I, I would say I'm not a, a, a aficionado of Aladdin. You know, when I was a kid, musicals were cool and fun because you're a kid, you don't know any better. But you know, as you get older, you kind of like start saying, "Well, that's girly or kid stuff." And I, I really wanted to see. A, oh, go ahead. Sorry. They really screwed up by making Will Smith sing instead of rap. I think if they would have let yes. him be the rapping Janie, it would have went a lot better than trying to make him sing because. Man, that was just bad. <laughs> it was awful, and and you, I'm sorry, but you know, to replace Robin Williams with Will Smith, and you know, so close after Robin's passing, and you know, the fact that he was originally signed to play the genie in the in the live action movie, and then of course he passed away, and they gave it to Will Smith. Uh, that kind of rubbed me the want the wrong way because I would like you know try to do some closer in tribute to what Robin did and hire somebody who actually can bring that kind of charisma. I don't see why they didn't just get a different voice uh, singer do the singing. Yeah. Like they could have got somebody, they could have had Will Smith do the, you know, the acting and be the genie when they, when he needed it. And when he was going to rap, they could have had Will Smith do it. But whenever he was going to sing, I don't understand why they didn't get, it's not like there's not a lot of, great black singers out there that they could have got to replace Will Smith that actually have a voice that could sing. It may, there was no excuse for it. I mean, this is Disney. I don't, I don't understand that. That, that. So that makes it even worse. That makes it even more of an unwatchable movie because it's a problem that is so easily solved. Well, I think that auto yeah. can solve everything. I agree. Yeah, that's an, that's an issue <laughs> with, uh, with, with music and hip-hop in general right now, the auto-tunes. Yeah. Everybody too much of that. that yes, you know, I, I was accused of, uh, you know, of only liking hip hop because of the autotunes by a, a friend uh, named Joe. And, uh, you know, as soon as I told him, yeah, but you don't understand, I actually hate autotunes. I'm one of like, the few guys who loves hip hop, despises, because you know, autotunes ruined hip hop for me. Just. Anybody could go on there and say some stupid shit, and yeah, you got a record. Yep. Where's the, where's the talent in that? That's, that's, that's not it. talent. Yeah, it's and it's not like this technology has been used in hip hop for years. You know, hip hop has been all about scratching, mixing, you know, MC and lyrics. Now you can get on there and be like, my dick well, is on the floor, my dick is on the floor, and make it out of tunes. And next thing you know, you have a fifty million dollar hit on YouTube, like. 
Well, the thing with auto-tune is, like, when the hip-hop guys first started using it, they'd do it to make goofy voices with it. And they didn't try to make it sound like they could sing nice. It was kind of like a weird thing where they'd, like, try to make them sound, themselves kind of sound like aliens or something. That's the same way. Like, the first time I ever really heard auto-tune was, like, a black metal band I listened to called Demu Borger would do it. Yeah. Like, it was... That's how it started, would, though. They would mess it up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they, they would do it to, make, to do demon voices and, like, try to do angelic voices getting taken down and stuff like that. And then the hip-hop guys did the same thing, but I don't know how along the way it just became the tool for people that can't sing to try and hide that. And you can hear it. It sounds so robotic. Like, yeah. The only guy I know that kind of I let get away with it a little bit was T-Pain because he never tried to pretend that, like, he did anything else besides, you know, just talking to a talk box. You know what I mean? He didn't try to be like, no, man, I'm a good singer. He was like, no, but... And I don't even really like T-Pain very much. I just like that he did some songs with the Lonely Island because I'm an Andy Samberg dude. Like yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big T-Pain fan myself, to be honest with you. Uh, yeah, me. But much, much of the hip-hop I listen to now, like I, you know what I mean? I still listen to Aesop Rock because he puts things out every month. Um, and then I really like them screamy guys. I like like um, NASCAR Allo. I was posting some of his stuff on your feed a while back. The punk rock Yeah, band. yep. I don't know if you like him or not because he's pretty screamy, but I, I think it's cool because back in 97 when um, New Metal was out, I told my brother, my best friend who's my brother, that I wanted to do real new me- uh, do real rap metal. And he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I want to I scream, metal scream over hip-hop beats. And he's like, you're crazy. No one will listen to that. Here we are, 2020. Motherfuckers be screaming over hip-hop beats. I could have been doing that. 20 years ago, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the only problem. Uh, the, the only guy, the only guys, and honestly, and I think, you know, we, we might all agree on this one 100%, even though some of us might not be hip-hop aficionados, uh, but the only, like, people that, I, that I've that seen in hip-hop that get away really with screaming and, you know, maybe mixing some auto-tunes over, like, the last couple of decades have been, uh, for one, the Beastie Boys, and two Tech Nine. To me, those are like the the the, the rappers that really like pushed that kind of like style of hip hop uh, to another level. And I can listen to a Beastie Boys records from the eighties, the nineties. It doesn't matter. I can put it all the way through. I mean, I'm a huge Beastie Boy fan. Yeah. Uh, for decades now, and uh, you know, from the moment they they start doing hip hop, because remember they were like a punk rock band at first. They were and a hardcore it, band. Yeah, hardcore punk rock. That's kind of what they they were doing, but uh, that didn't really work out for them. <laughs> so they like they switched to like hip hop, and, and next you know they blew up. But they were really at heart. They were like you know like a rock band. They really you know the hip hop kind of like just well, they, came natural. They always kept putting out um, hardcore EPs too. They got Olo and Allegro. They got they did like three or four actual like punk albums in between their hip hop albums too. So they never stopped doing that. Plus. Um, Sabotage was a punk song, you know, they kind of had, they, it was always sprinkled through their career. They never really let that go. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and then the uh, same thing with Tech 9 like, I'm glad you brought him up because yep. he's like, he's always really been into metal. He's actually been on, yep. I actually seen him a bunch of times at, um, doing shows, at, um, between metal bands and hardcore bands. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, he's, like, always been into that, too. And he crazy motherfucker, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like Dude, him, but, yeah, he's he's scary sometimes. I ran into, funny. this is not even a joke, I ran into Tech Nine in person. This is, like, 
back in 98, 99. He's been around for a long time. He's not a young dude. Yeah. Um, he's been around since I was in high school. Yeah. So that's a long <laughs> Well, he's been around since I was in high school. And that was it's a long time ago. Me, yeah. <laughs> so that tells you right there. And I knew about him back in 95, 96. Uh, in 98, I want to say, 98, there was a show down here in Florida, and I had backstage passes that went on there because I knew the producers of the show. And he was one of the acts that was on there. And he's really, like, at that time, a really well-known hip-hop artist. He had worked with Tupac. You know, he was really well-known in the West Coast. He had been doing music for a while. And, uh, he, like, but people didn't recognize him in person for some reason. And I, rem- I remember bumping into him, and I was like, oh, crap, Tech Nine. And he's like, you recognize me? And I'm like, dude, you're, you're like becoming a fucking icon. You worked with my favorite rapper, Tupac. And he's like, oh, that was my boy, man. And like, he was really cool. Like, I, like, it was like a brief two-minute thing. But I was like, this dude is just cool. Because he was like very, you know, like humble and nice. And and uh, not like, you know, the, the fact that he had worked with icons and he's been doing music didn't go to his head. And, and, and anybody who talks about him now, like they know him, to say the same thing. He's still the same dude who was back then. And yeah, he's always been into like rock, metal, like all kinds of different music. And I, I usually, you know, like it's funny because I've had a, like cool interaction with people in those worlds, even though I'm not into like metal or rock personally. You know, I, I like some, but I'm, it's not like my favorite genre, you know. But I've always kind yeah. of inter- interacted well with people that I, that love that. Like one of my best friends for thirty years almost uh, is a metalhead. So you know that tells you right there. Like you know that I don't have issues with people's you know taste in music or whatever. And uh, he's a lot like that. Like he likes everything, the whole spectrum. Like he's a, he likes some country, some country western. You know he likes. Uh, you know, metal, rock. He's, a, he's an all-round musician. He can play instruments the whole nine yards. Like, that separates real musicians from just guys who get on the you know, microphone and be like, yeah, we like dicks on the floor. How to tune that? Dicks on the floor! You know? Uh, you make up on a little pomp because, like, that's that, that's what I think you're kind of <laughs> making fun of. Because he's like the guy that I know that hops on auto tune, says one phrase over and over again, and tries to call that a song where he just like Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. It's like, dude, you gotta have more <laughs> lyrics than that, dude. Come on, this isn't even a song. You're just saying Gucci gang, Gucci gang, Gucci gang. Like Takashi Six Nine is a is better musician than you are because at least he has more Whoa. than like, two words in his song. Yeah, he's got. I have three. no idea what he sounds like. <laughs> I don't have no idea what he's saying. He sounds like some kind of black metal Ewok wig, and I'm like, I have no idea what the hell Takashi Six Nine says, but like, he seems to be saying a lot. He's not just saying Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang, Gucci Gang. <laughs> did you wow. see, dude? Did you see the mural? They, and I, I don't think we we talked about it. It's funny as shit. There's a mural uh, somebody posted of, of uh, Fifty Cent. And he was, they they did the uh, whole artwork with his face looking like uh, like uh, Takashi Six Nine, like all the rainbow stuff in his teeth and the hair and the whole nine yards. And somebody sent a picture to Fifty, and Fifty got like he went ape shit over. It. He started posting it on Facebook. He's like, I'm gonna find this motherfucker who did this. I'm gonna, we wouldn't have issues. Who the hell posts like? Why would they do this shit? And I'm like. It took that to scare, like, the hardest dude in hip-hop, really? Because 50, like, for years, like, hey, I, I got my gun with me. I'm going to shoot, you know, in the club. And like, it took a mural 
uh, with you in rainbow colors to get that crazy? Like, come on, get a, get a sense of humor, guy. Don't be a John Campia. Yeah. Don't be a... <laughs> John Maybe Fifty wants to work for he wants to work for Collider, man. Like just like you, Jackal. Fifty wants to work for Collider. He can't make it that much off of vitamin water anymore. He wants he wants that Collider money. Yeah, he wants to do that Collider slash this is fifty dot net. Yeah, some people need that vitamin C. This is fifty. Uh, I got shot in the face. This is fifty. I got a hundred million dollars in the place. This is fifty. I lost it all because yeah. I posted a video of uh, the some fat guy's wife in bed. This is 50. which he really did. Like he posted uh, what's yeah, his no, face. I I've been watching. Um, there's like this funny British dude on YouTube named Traplor Ross who makes like. Um, historical hip-hop videos he's really funny and yeah i've been learning a lot about the weird shit that has, why rappers have gone broke over the years and like yeah some of the <laughs> stuff that like it got in trouble for him like really it's not, it's not your gangster shit oh i guess that, it was kind of that was kind of part of his gangster shit because he was like beefing with the guy and stuff but i mean like it's such a lay way to get sued and get your shit took like but then again he like bankruptcy so he didn't have to pay her so like, from what I understand, like, that's why he did that. He's like, he pretended to be bankrupt so he didn't have to pay that lawsuit, or all of it, at least, or something like that, which is good for him. Well, he, yeah, he, that, he, that's why he went bankrupt. And then, he, you know, smart 50, he took pictures of himself with, like, a bunch of money. I'm like, good job, 50. <laughs> we all know you're lying, but uh, you might want to keep that to yourself, you know, like, especially if you're going to declare Chapter 11. Like, yeah, you might want to not tell everybody that... You took the money out of the bank, and now it's, you know, somewhere in the trunk. You might not want to tell somebody about that. Wow. That is not 50. That is Curtis is being paranoid. That's what that is. Uh, you know, it's funny because, like, I think game, and we're going to move out of hip-hop in a second here. I just, there's something I found really funny. I heard a, a game diss song towards 50, and this was a, a few years before the show Power was on the air. There were 50 producers now. And uh, he was talking about, like, you know, he was dissing 50 in G-Unit. And he said, uh, when 50's career starts going down the toilet, you're going to see him showing his dick on TV or some crazy stuff like that. And sure enough, on the show Power, 50 actually does show his private parts. So I think Game could get a, a royalty check for, like, you know, coming up with that storyline. Yeah, he's like Nostradamus now, man. Like he's, he's like, yeah, like telling the future and shit. That, that's terrifying. Yep, that's another <laughs> thing. I never watched that show. I guess. I mean, like I am a fan of Fiddy, but I don't need to see it. <laughs> I don't need to. See it. No, I don't want to see. Uh, this is fifty. Oh, yeah. I don't want to see it. Like give that old song of his, "My Buddy," just a different meaning, and like I don't need it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> So what is in the club really all about, 50? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that club. No, sirree. But uh, moving on to more uh, appropriate uh, stuff. What else is in the news there, Johnny? Uh, well, the awesome actor Jason Isaac says that he would love to play the, um, the Inquisitor on Star Wars, which I think would be great because of how awful Star Trek treated him. Like, he might as well jump over there and, like, 
play a bang up role. What do you guys think? You guys you need fans? Oh of- yeah, I, I I think so. I think he'd be good for that. And I only know the character from Rebels. Like, I, I bet he has a bigger part in uh, the Clone Wars, but he was pretty creepy when he was coming after Ezra Miller. And Ezra didn't choke True. slam him <laughs> like an old yeah. Movie. <laughs> yeah. I could see him actually in a Star Wars uh, anything. I mean, he has that kind of like persona about him. Yeah, he's a really solid actor. Um, yeah. He can actually, like, because he's British and he can pull off any accent. Like, if you watch the movie. Um, Black Hawk Down, where he plays the crazy bald-headed Texan dude, like he nailed that Texas accent. He's he's actually a yep. really good actor. He can do um, different voices and everything, which is kind of hard for a lot of other British people to do. Because like I've watched so many movies where Gerard Butler's supposed to be an American, but no, he sounds Scottish. <laughs> yeah, and actually, as the Inquisitor, man, that would be really awesome. Because I mean, he kind of has like that face of the Inquisitor. He just got to shave his head. Uh, and, or just, you know, give him a, uh, a bald scalp and heavy makeup, like they did to Darth Maul. Uh, but either way, I mean, he has that kind of, like, facial structure look about him, and that's a character that really should get fleshed out somewhere, because the Inquisitor will be a really neat character. In fact, I think a lot of the stuff they did on Rebels, uh, with new characters and stuff, you know, deserve to get a live-action adaptation. Like, I would love to see a Kanan Jarrus live adaptation of how he became a Jedi. You know, that'd be kind of cool to see that. Hell, get Freddie Prince Jr. to play and he did the voice. Why not? <laughs> did he really? I yeah, you didn't know that was him? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know that was Fred from Scooby-Doo, man. Yeah, man. but yeah. he had, that big, he had that, big free, that big Star Wars freak out. I don't think they're going to ask him to be on anything else Star Wars related, bro. I don't know, but he's a huge fan, and his freakout was, like, epic, and it was positive. It wasn't like he was dissing Star Wars in, in, in a bad way or anything. No, um, he was sticking up for George Lucas. He was the yeah. Lucas uh, in relation to Disney Star Wars, but still, he really, his meltdown was huge. <laughs> I mean, it's not shocking that the show got canceled shortly afterwards, but uh, that's either here or there. Uh, well, no, actually, no, he said it afterwards, right? Wasn't it after the show got canceled? Just after, yeah, after they showed the last, the last episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I remember him saying something like, oh, I'm not really contractually uh, obligated to be nice about things or something like that anymore. And he, like, he went off on the fans or on you know, what they thought about George and the studio. And, and to be honest, right now, I think everybody's on his side because, you know, as much as the, the prequels might have gotten hated uh, by some of the fans, uh, let's just be honest, you know, I think at this point, they're a little bit more loved the pre- than the, uh, sequels. The, prequels look like, the prequels look like masterpieces now when you look at... I you won't go that far. Compare them to what we got, when you compare them to what we ultimately got, yeah. We can at all praise. George, at least George had a. At least George had a plan. Yes. Disney didn't have a plan. They just made shit up as they went along. So they're they're masterpieces like Godfather Three. I'll, I'll agree to that. Well, I'll say this much: uh, Hayden Christensen, uh, compared to some of the stuff that we saw in the sequels, I would take Hayden Christensen as Anakin. To be honest, with some of the stuff that happened in the Last Jedi and. 
And the more I watch Rise of Skywalker, the more I'm like, there's so many flaws in this movie. Why, man, you, like, why did you need to watch it more than once to even see that, though? I, I've only seen that movie the one time, and all I can ever think of is, yo, dog, I got a swamp full of Star Destroyers. Don't ask me how I got them. That's, that's, a, <laughs> that's, a, that's all I need to just, like, stop on and just be like, yep. I mean, I, I still enjoyed the movie, and I, yeah. I love the, the addition of the Emperor. It was just badly, you know, conceived in the way they did it and executed the, the the return of the Emperor. But you guys know how I felt about that early on. I've been saying it for a long time, that he was the way to tie everything together. And uh, I was always for them bringing him in. Well, come on, man. You had but, better plots you know, that you made up in five minutes of and, and conversations yeah, with us. That was the problem. Any one of the plots and and ideas that we all came up with talking to each other about this stuff would have turned out better than what they actually gave us on film. So that's that's what the problem is when you think about it. It's I guess it's kind of touching that Star Wars ripped off Dark City for the ending that they they did with. (laughs) But I mean, at the same time, it's like, really, dude, Star Wars ripped off fucking Dark City. Like, that's that's cool and all. I mean, I love Dark City. It's one of my favorite films of all time. But it's just like wrong to even think about that. Like it actually happened, and and it was in a film, and it's like, why, why? Because it will make money, Johnny. That's the only reason why. Show it to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like why ask why? Kaching. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it made money. That's really all that matters in Hollywood. Uh, that's a sad, you know, thing. And going forward with Star Wars, man, I just, I hope they don't rush into something just because they think it might make money and they actually like, put good thought behind it. Which I, that's what I love about the Mandalorian. I love like all the little tidbits of information we're getting. The casting uh, reports have just been great. Uh, the first season was phenomenal. Uh, you know, Baby Yoda has stolen the planet's love. Like when we're in lockdown and we're all like, you know, dying from the coronavirus. Everybody looks at a picture of Baby Yoda, and they're like, oh, there's hope for the future. He's so adorable. Yep. Like, I don't want to die from the virus, I, I, because I want to see season two of The Mandalorian now. So I can't die from this virus. Like, i, I got to live. Season two of The Mandalorian is next year. I can't die. I don't want to miss that. One of my favorite things about that <laughs> is they finally validated. I remember, like, when I would go to the fair as a kid, and they'd have them crappy little light swords that weren't quite lightsabers because they were shaped like regular swords. And now, like, that's actually part of the Star Wars canon. So if you were, like, a kid that didn't have, like, a real lightsaber and you had one of them crappy, just, like, regular-looking swords that lit up, now you're you're rocking, like, um, whatever um, Giancarlo Esposito's character's name was because he had, like, one of them swords that looked just like one of them light-up swords from a fair. I'm like, dude, that's gangster. They finally validated those crappy lightsaber rip-offs now. Those are actually canon Star Wars <laughs> toys. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It, well, with the way things are, I don't think we're going to get any uh, big toy pushes when it comes to Star Wars for a while. I mean, it's going to be a pretty long time, to be honest. The uh, last... Uh, it, you know, it's funny because, uh, you know, J.J. Abrams... I thought they did a good job with the initial reboot of Star Trek, uh, you know, 2009. Um, I liked The Force Awakens. Uh, I really wanted to see what Colin Trevorrow had to do with uh, Episode 9. But I was excited when they brought J.J. back. But I've noticed, you know, right off the bat, J.J. is a good starter of projects, not a good finisher. 
And that's why I think Colin Trevorrow would have been a, probably a better person to finish the trilogy. And I saw some stuff on YouTube that showed artwork and ideas that he had for the movie. And I'm like, my God, this would have been so good. How did they not go with the script? It would have been such a, an epic thing. And it was going to be called Duel of the Fates. How do you not like use that? That is a perfect tie-in for that movie. It it, the, it, it explains everything between Kylo Ren and Rey. This is their fate. You know that duel, the epic battle they're supposed to have is you know that would have been perfect. And uh, they nixed that, and you know that really like rubs me the wrong way, especially knowing now the details of that script. I'm like, my goodness, like they missed so many really cool things they could have done. Captain Phasma was going to have a bigger role and be more epic. They completely like, butchered her character. And she got so much hype. And it's it's a shame what happened after The Last Jedi to The Rise of Skywalker. It just went downhill. But, you know, with J.J., the funny thing about his two uh, directorial, uh, you know, outputs from Star Trek to Star Wars is when he, and this is kind of like amusing and sad at the same time, when he jumped on these two projects, while well, they are the biggest box office turnouts for these movies and these franchises, the toy lines completely died out. Nobody wanted to buy the new toys for either one. Like the Star Trek toys, action figures, none of that stuff sold at all. The Star Wars uh, toy line sold very little, and then they released uh, Rose Tico. Nobody bought it after that. They're like, yeah, we can't support Rose Tico or anything involved with her. We just, you know, we're not going to do it. So everybody just stopped buying the toys. Now you can't give them away. It's the saddest thing. Of course, as it is, you know, like when you have a movie that is badly received by audience, uh, normally that would happen. It kind of happened with Attack of the Clones where those toys didn't sell at all, but then they had really bad-looking artwork for the covers of the, the you know, figures, and it just didn't mesh well. But uh, funny enough, the Revenge of the Sith action figures sold like crazy because that was a better-received movie. Phantom Menace, nobody knew what they were getting, so everybody like went crazy buying those toys. And then they were in the movie theater, and they were like, Jar Jar just ruined Star Wars for me. Damn it. I have $6,000 with the toys at home and four tattoos of Darth Maul and Jar Jar. Just to oh. think, man, there there are warehouses somewhere just full of Rose Tico and Jesse Eisenberg Lex Luthor figures from the BVS toy line. They, just... they, they only made one Lex Luthor uh, figure. They didn't really make that many. It was not like yeah, they made the... one, but they never sold. Every time I went to a store and saw that there was just there were just so many of them. So like they all got shipped I've someplace. Seen, I've never seen any actually. I never seen any in the store because I was actually looking oh. for one. Oh, oh well, uh, you should have told me. I could have bought you a couple hundred. Um, but yeah, they're probably buried next to the old ET Atari game in some landfill somewhere, man. Yeah, <laughs> Nowadays. Yeah. Probably there's no, there's none of those, and there's no, uh, you know, and there's Rose Ticos, there's lots of Jar Jars, there's lots of Last Jedi Lukes. Yep, yep. Nobody wants that stuff. I mean, I don't know if what Jackal said is true, but I can tell you, like, all of my newer bot Star Wars figures are all uh, Rogue One figures. I got I like believe Donkey you. in, and I got. <laughs> One is the most current stuff that I have, yeah. I believe you, to be honest with you, at this point. Uh, it, that, I think the last action figures that I bought were also from uh, Rogue One. So go figure. 
is I got like K two and I got like Donnie Yen. I got like a yeah. Urso. I got Urso, Donnie Yen's character. Yeah, same thing, same thing. The cool characters. Well, I, I wanted the little French <laughs> guy, but I couldn't find an action figure of him. Who, Diego Luna? He's not French. Yeah, I, I know. You I think like he's French. Yeah, that's to piss you off. <laughs> you know, Johnny, the French are assholes. Yeah. What is that Diego line from? Kind of an asshole in that movie. Remember, he was—he wasn't—he wasn't particularly nice. What, what was the? Uh, what was that line from? See if you remember. I thought that that was just a proven fact of the world, man. Like, that's, well, it's a line it, it or is. Yeah, it's actually, uh, you don't remember that? Man, that that was from uh, Dumb and Dumber. You, you and, dude, you always test me with these Jim Carrey lines. I should have known it was from the Jim Carrey. <laughs> 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 I like, know, I keep giving you, like, softballs. You keep missing these, man. Like, well, I don't really watch Jim Carrey movies, and neither should you, since you hate him as bad as I hate Tom Cruise, so... At least you say you do. True story. Yeah. I don't really hate Tom Cruise. No, I hate Tom Cruise. You hate Jim Carrey. Stay on page. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, we got some HBO Max news. And this one is coming straight from Zod Ryder. Even though I saw him post earlier that, that this has been debunked by a few people, but he still thinks it's true, that the Snyder Cut is going to be shown on HBO Max no, when not that, not that it's No, not that it's going to be shown when it launches, that it's going to be announced or at least teased or previewed, not that it's going to be announced. I mean, not that it's going to show up. It's going to be a while before we actually see, uh, you know, see the Snyder Cut, but They'll, they'll probably make a documentary about it, like they did, the, and that's probably oh, the closest. I, I, could, I could totally see a documentary coming out at some point, sure. But, but I don't know. I think at this point they need to at least make an announcement. If they make an announcement, it'll be good for the. It'll be good for subscribe. You know, for subscriber boost, they'll get all those people that. We're disillusioned and what we're up have been upset about it, and they'll get all those subscriptions guaranteed. Because I've said this before, I will pay for an annual subscription for HBO Max right off the bat, day one, if they announce the Snyder Cut, so that we know for sure that it's coming. Yeah, guaranteed. You're just really dying for all fifteen of those new subscribers. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right. <laughs> Ah, uh, the Max. It, speaking of HBO, the Max, uh, we have to bring in, uh, you know, the the next article here that deals with Superman, the Men of Steel, and Lois and Clark, and uh, possible rumors of HBO, the Max, uh, being involved in a Superman project. But, uh, John, let's jump to that real quick. Uh, have you guys seen the, the images coming out of the show? Even though it's not really shocking, we all know what the dude looks like. Uh, but pretty cool images. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, are you buying it, selling? What do you think? Bring of back to- Dean Kane. That's all I got to say. Bring back Dean but, Kane. But he's like 60, and he doesn't look as uh, as clean cut as Ar- as uh, um, Stallone. I mean, he just he's not looking good these he, days. <laughs> he made a better Superman than this guy. Like, well, this, oh, that man. is true. This is true. I'm not gonna lie there. That's true. Well, what they need to do, they need to give, they need to give Brandon Ralph his own HBO Max Kingdom Come series because this new Superman, this Superman and Lois show, 
just looks ridiculous. I think they backed the wrong Superman. <laughs> he's like he's he, like it'll be okay if he's playing like Superboy because he's like really short, like an older Superboy, I guess. But oh, he always, he's always yeah he's he's always been short since he's yeah the whole he's he's been extremely short for Superman. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I I'm not I I'm not really a fan. I don't think that. Uh, his particular iteration is good, and I think that they kind of dropped the ball given in his own series. I, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and especially yeah. since it's still going to be tied to the Supergirl show, which I try to like a lot of that CW stuff, but I could never find it in my heart to like that show. I, I watched one episode that I kind of enjoyed because they had the red tornado on there, and you never see that full in live action, so that was that was kind of nice. But aside from that, like, you know what I mean? It, was, it wasn't as good as, like, the Blue Beetle Booster Gold episode of Smallville, which was just brilliant. But it, it, was, it almost had that potential. But sadly, it was on Supergirl. Poor Red Tornado. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. The more I see that show, the least I want to watch it, by the way. Supergirl, what a terrible show, man. That show is just... The first season was decent. I guess maybe because it was a, the network it was on, it was CBS. You know, and it at least had a, a decent budget, and they had network standards, which WB doesn't have any, apparently. Like, you know, they just throw stuff to the wind. I don't know what CW, WB is doing, but... Uh, at least CBS had, you know, some kind of a, a standard when it came to, like, the production, when it came to, like, the storyline. That first season was pretty decent. It wasn't great by any means, but it was pretty decent. If they could have built on that and kept the show to that level, at least it would have been fun to watch. But they just, I mean, they butchered so much of it. The, the multiverse, I, I was I excited like for that. that, and I'm like, ugh. I don't even see how you could like the first season, man. I hated the 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 stepsister. She was just a horrible character. Just dude, she's gotten so much worse. Like every season, then, she it's horrible. And then the, their their version of um, what's the photographer kid's name? Where they made him like some suaves cool guy. And it's like Jimmy dude, Olsen. No, Jimmy yeah, Ol- Jimmy Olsen's supposed to be nerdy, man. Like I I don't care that they changed the race or whatever, but the fact that they made him like. Suave, and it's like, dude, like, that's not the case. Why couldn't you get that's a nerd? That's not Jimmy. You know what would have been really cool if you wanted, like, you know, race swap Jimmy Olsen and, and make it a black kid or a black dude or whatever? If they would have gotten the kid who played uh, Chris Rock and Everybody Hates Chris and made him, like, you know, young Jimmy Olsen, I would have been totally cool with that. Because I could see him, like, kind of in that nerdy kind of role. You know, like a photographer type, and he still kind of looks younger than everybody else. But when they other Jimmy Olsen look at like he's he towers over Superman. Yeah, I mean, yes, how does that work? <laughs> you know, that's like that's another big problem. They might as well have uh, have have racially swapped uh, Superman as well, and just made Jimmy Olsen Superman on the show. He would have been a better Superman than the guy they got. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's just the reality of the situation. He could have played uh, Calvin Ellis. Yeah, that would have been better. I agree. And then there you go. You would have had a, that diversity on there. And it wouldn't have been, you know, Kyra's cousin, Kal-El. Uh, but it could have been like, oh, he was uh, next-door neighbor's ex-roommate. I don't know. Like, 
Well, no, he's not he's from Krypton. He would have just been that. He would have just been that Superman from the other from that other Earth. They could have written out. They could have written out Clark Kent or Kal El any way they wanted to. It was. It's a Supergirl. It's a CW show. They didn't have to use Clark Kent. True story. Real enough. But yeah. I mean, like, since this is going to be on CW, I don't want to get my hopes invested because, like. It's been a while since I watched um, Black Lightning. I really liked that show. The first two seasons, I, I got to catch up, see if they ruined that. But, I mean, I, I really enjoyed The Flash show when it first started. I watched, like, the first three or four seasons of that, and that just became unwatchable. So, like, even if the show starts good, it's probably not going to stay that way long. That's just kind of the way these things go, for, sadly, for some reason, on, on that network. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not excited about the Superman series. I am excited, though, about the rumors that Brandon Ralph is going to continue um, on, you know, HBO Max. Uh, all, all rumors are indicating they're going to give him his own Superman spinoff. It's not going to be a continuity with the CW stuff, other than it's part of the larger multiverse. So that has me excited for something Superman-related. Because it's not a whole lot to be really excited about right now, especially cinematically, where we don't know what's going to happen with Henry Cavill. Is he coming back? Is he not coming back? Will they recast cinematically? Are they not doing another Superman movie for a decade? What are they doing with the character cinematically? I got no idea. But if they could do two different series on TV, have two different actors play, you know, Clark Kent, Kal-El, Superman, you know, why don't, instead of having, like, Brandon Ralph in HBO Max, just put him in the cinema. Make, you know, make him the movie Superman. Uh, like, I, I don't understand that part of it. Uh, and, you know, if you give him a good script and a good, you know, directing, uh, you know, you, hey, he could be the Superman he was supposed to be in 2006. You know, Brandon Ralph is a good actor. He's not a, a bad dude. He's another one of these, you know, young guys that came into the uh, movie world and, uh, whoa. Almost made a huge mistake there, movie world. Uh, but he came into the whole industry, uh, you know, on on a uh, on a big big project like Superman, and it was like supposed to be his big break, and then you know, like it all fizzled out, and it wasn't his fault. I, I've always felt bad for him, even when I was you know interacting with Dan Harris, and I was like, dude, you're gonna mess this up. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? Not only are you going to ruin this movie, you're going to ruin this guy's career. And he almost did that. Like, this dude had to, like, really claw his way back into TV and, and do all this independent stuff just to get noticed again. And I feel bad for the guy. Like, yeah, he's earned I mean, his like, way. Yeah, from what I understand, like, if he wasn't friends with Kevin Smith, he probably wouldn't be back where he is now. Like, Kevin Smith really fought to help get him back into stuff, which kind of crazy when you think about, like, the kind of sway that that guy has or mm -hmm. had at yeah. some point, which is yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. And it was a very funny scene, too, on uh, Zach and Mary make a porno. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> also, I really liked him in, in Scott Pilgrim as the vegan guy. Like, he, yes. he was so good in that. Like He was good as Dylan Dog, too, man. Yeah, that movie gets no respect because nobody knows about it because it's based off an yep. Italian comic. But Dylan Dog's the shit, man. Like, those are great graphic novels, and it's a pretty decent adaptation. It's funny because that that almost felt like his compensation for not doing the Superman sequel because he had like the guy who played Jimmy Olsen in Dylan Dog, 
So it's like, you kind of almost have Jimmy and and Clark in a movie, but not really, you know, like, it kind of like felt a little bit weird in that sense, but, you know, they actually are good friends, you know, outside of Hollywood, you know, they've known each other for years. There's like a whole circle of, you know, actors that know each other and they help each other get gigs and stuff. Look, that happened in the 80s. Uh, you know, Robert England, who's known for Freddy Krueger, was responsible for Mark Hamill landing the role of Luke Skywalker. So go that, figure. That's crazy. You don't know, you haven't heard that story? No, but I'll take your word for it. Real quick, I'll give you a five second, uh, well, not five seconds, but a minute long uh, synopsis of how that happened. Uh, at the time, Mark Hamill was a broke actor sleeping on Robert England's couch. Okay? Robert England had just landed the role of V on the TV series, the miniseries, and uh, he was going to be a, a part of that. And uh, he couldn't do, you know, anything Star Wars related because he had just landed that in the 70s and they were going to go into pre-production. And I think it was like 78 when they were talking to him about doing it. And that, that came out like in 80-something. So imagine, it took a few years. But he was also like, you know, starting to like talk about doing like Freddy at the time. And there was a lot of stuff that he was really kind of like working in the pipeline. And when he read the script, he was like... Yeah, I don't think I'm right for Luke Skywalker. Like, it just something like it hit him that it wasn't like a role that he wanted or could see himself in any way. And then he was like, but you would be really good for this part. And Mark Hamill was like, what? I'm like, not thinking, I'm thinking another bong hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's basically what it was. Like, go get a job, you bum. <laughs> that's kind of what yeah, it was. <laughs> that, that, you're the reason why I'm going to play a monster that terrorizes teenagers in their nightmares because you're little teenage ass sleeping on my couch all day while I'm working. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but it, it's kind of weird how some of the stuff like that works out because you think about it, Nick Nolte was one of the first people, one of the people they really wanted to line up to play Han Solo. He never did anything Star Wars until now he was in The Mandalorian and now he's like embraced as a Star Wars icon. Not the original one that like they had planned out for him, but you know, Nick Nolte's now completely associated with Star Wars now, which is kind of cool. Yeah, and you have spoken. I have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Again, the Mandalorian is the greatest Star Wars thing out right now. we got to support the Mandalorian. And uh, the fact that Boba Fett's going to be featured in the new one in the next season... And they're going to have uh, Shaka Tano and a bunch of like different characters that you know are, we haven't seen before live action. And uh, some that we have seen in live action, like you know Boba Fett again. And the fact they got Tamara Morrison to play uh, Boba Fett. I mean... Was, I, people keep saying, I, I, I do not... That's recognize. epic. Bro, he played Django Fett in the... In the uh, oh, of the God. Clones. Why did they get him back? Because they're all clones of him. <laughs> Even Boba was his clone. Like, remember, like Boba Fett was the uh, like the son, but it was really his clone. So, yeah, like, he's the right I, age. I don't Boba Fett taking his helmet off though, and shit. I hated that. I hated they showed his face. Like that's one of. The, I think that's one of the main reasons I hate Attack of the Clones so much. They showed Boba can, Fett's face. How can you hate Attack of the Clones that much? It wasn't that bad. It there were Star Wars. Um, it's worse. Than I never Hollywood. got the hate for that one because I I love the like the rain sequence when he's fighting Django Fett. That to me is like an awesome space western sequence. Uh, the whole clone, you know, on Camino. 
Yeah. Uh, with the aliens, that was cool. You know, that Ian was McBaker a... and the beatboxing alien. That was that was amazing. And <laughs> the, the the gray aliens with the long necks. That was very original, George Lucas. Nobody'd seen that before. And yeah, dude, fuck that movie. <laughs> I'll That's take your I'll, I'll take your feelings and leave you bottled up in a, in a corner of hate for yourself on Attack of the Clones. We can agree that the Mandalorian's <laughs> great. I, I can tell you what, man. They didn't even need to put Boba Fett in it. I'd, I, I'm actually excited just to see like uh, Gina Carano show back up again. I've never actually re- been a fan of hers, but she was really good on that show. I really liked her character. I thought she was badass. Um, yeah, I, I want to see what's going on with Giancarlo Esposito's character. Very interesting, very mysterious. They didn't tell you too much about him. All you know is he messed up... Um, Mando's people, which I thought was pretty cool. I'd like to learn a little more about that. So all these new additions are great, but I like, they could have just did a straight up carry on from season one with just a few sprinkles, and I, I'd have been I'd be just as excited because I really really liked what they just were able to pull off with that first season, having like Werner Herzog and the weird stuff that was was in that. Plus, just you get to see every single alien that ever showed up in any Star Wars back on on the screen for one, at some point on that show which I thought was great. Yeah. True story. Yeah, true story. Uh let's see what else we have on here because I know we have a few other things we wanted to get to. Uh, I'm going to let uh, uh Zod talk about this uh because I know this is something that is near and dear to his heart and we always, you know, rip on him anyway. Uh do you want to get in uh, a little bit more into the Zod, uh, the Zack Snyder uh story there Zod? No, not particularly. I mean, I don't think there's really all that much more to say about it. I mean, uh, the idea that um, we could get an announcement for um, the release of the Snyder Cut once HBO Max launches at the end of the month, uh, that would be cool if we get an announcement. And, I, and I'm going to hold to what I said before. All they would have to do is announce it. Just say that it's coming soon. And you would get subscribers just based off of that alone. You would have yeah. because they're going to need material. They're going to need new material to entice people to come over to that. Because as of right now, they haven't really advertised too much about what they're going to do, about what kind of content that they're putting out. And from what I'm hearing, HBO Max is going to be quite expensive every month. So you're going to have to have content to really you know, to sell to subscribers if you're really going to try to compete with Netflix and some of these other uh, networks. So, I don't know. Like I said, I I don't expect to see the Snyder Cut drop, you know, right away or anything like that. I think if they just made an announcement that it was coming, that that would help, that would create some buzz and, you know, um get some people excited. I mean, and I, like I said, I know for a fact that I would be excited and would sign up for an annual subscription right away because, you know, that that's good. That's good faith. That's WB saying, okay, we're going to do this now. We're going to put this out. So this is the direction uh, you wanted. So here's what we're going to do. And so I would be excited for that, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm, you know what? I'm, I'm excited. And I, I want to hear announce something for soon. Zack Snyder's new zombie film on Netflix. Now that, well, that, that my yeah, that, the rumor though, from what I from what I've been able to discern from that, that got put on hold uh, when Zack Snyder started working on Justice League again, because what a lot of people don't know and don't realize was when Netflix, 
gave Zack Snyder that made the deal with Zack Snyder for Army of the Dead. They were they also had made a deal initially with Warner Brothers for the Snyder Cut to be a part of that package. So the Snyder Cut of Justice League was actually going to end up on Netflix along with Army of the Dead, but Warner Brothers is seeing too, sees too much sees too much potential with that, and so they want that they want that for themselves. So right now, Army of the Dead is kind of is kind of on hold until all this Snyder Cut stuff gets straightened out. Well, that sucks because, like, I'm really interested, and in I'm the- really hyped up about that too. I can't, I can't wait to see what what he's going to do with that. That's going to be that's the long-awaited Zack Snyder return to the zombie genre, which is yeah, going back where to where he, he started. Where he started. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes with that. Considering, and personally, I find that to be a very, very you know compelling idea to go back where you where you started from and to see. And to see what you can draw from it at this point. I mean, from what from what I've heard, from what you know has been said, and what stuff that's been posted about it, is it sounds like it's gonna just be balls to the wall crazy. So I, I'm looking forward to it either way. I can't wait till it happens. And I really hope it goes back to his old older visual style because I I know that you guys think that a lot of the stuff was pretty in his DC films, but I, I really liked the way his older films looked, the way that Sucker Punch and 300 well, Watchmen looked well, compared. Too, that's another thing that they were, that was rumored too, that the Sucker Punch that we got in theaters and the extended version of Sucker Punch that was released was is not Zack Snyder's punk, Sucker Punch. We've still never seen what Zack Snyder intended for Sucker Punch because the studio would not sign off on his his vision for the his cut of the movie. So that's something else that we may get down the well, line. I was, as I was well. just talking about the visual style of the film though. I really liked the way his visuals looked and that, that kind of changed with man of steel and it didn't get any better with the other two films. So I'm kind of hoping that he kind of goes back to that really kind of backlit weird glow look that his older films had. It, it was really Really cool look, really comic booky look, in my opinion. It kind of gave it his movies a little bit more of an actual, like drawn on a panel look than you know anything else that I've seen out there. Like Watchmen, literally looks like a comic book on film, in my yeah, opinion. yeah, definitely, definitely. So you know, we'll see what happens with with that. But I, I you know, I, I have hope that it will be, you know, that we will get something along the lines of Netflix. He should talk to Netflix about doing a limited uh, Sucker Punch series where he just recasts and redoes it. Well, see, as a show. And, and, well he's working on. I, he's working that would be a on, cool idea. He's still working on some sort of Viking, of Norse Viking anime with uh, Jay Oliva. They're working on that together, some sort of for Netflix, some sort of project. Uh, it's an it's an anime. It's supposed to be some you know deep hardcore r-rated viking anime so that should be something cool johnny and it should have a nice visual style so we'll see what happens with that as well cool i mean like i'm all for zach getting back to making zach's films because i i've had this argument with you before and i don't really see those dc films that he made really as his movies they don't feel like the rest of his work so I really want to see him get back to doing what he did. I was really excited when he was talking about doing like 
a live action heavy metal movie and like doing um european graphic novels as films like that that sounded like something that i knew he could nail the second i heard they put him on superman i was just like they're gonna gut him and they did so i'm really excited to see the guy back in charge of his career even if it's at the small screen on netflix he's going to have way more um leverage there well, yeah and, netflix, what he wants to and do. the thing is netflix he's got netflix the one thing that he has that he that he's been struggling with ever since he started doing DC films is creative control of his projects. So I think that I think the great thing about the great thing about Netflix, this Army of the Dead, is going to be one hundred percent completely whatever his vision was for this movie. So that'll be a good indication for a lot of the naysayers who say, "Oh well, you know, he makes crappy movies, he makes bad story decisions." Okay. We'll see what happens when this Army of the Dead movie comes out because this Army of the Dead movie is going to be 100% his idea. So that'll be something that, you know, his detractors will be able to pin on him if they don't if they don't like it because this is 100% his idea, this is creative control, this is his thing. So we'll see what happens there. I hope you're right cuz I really do miss being a fan of his. I really did love his early work. He 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 had a stellar vision. And I enjoyed it. And he got, I, I personally think he got a little sidetracked, but yeah. um, I'm happy that he's back on it. And I can't wait to see what he does with his films. Well, see, this, and see, this is one of the reasons why, again, the idea of branding, you know, the Snyder cut of Justice League as Zack Snyder's Justice League means that it's going to be whatever his vision for Justice League actually is. So we'll finally yeah, get to see what his creative idea was for that from the get-go. Instead not of from seeing, the get-go, though. It, it's going to be stuff that he still had to get okayed, but then they pulled later. So it, it's still going to be manufactured and mandated stuff. It's just things that they changed their mind about later on, though, dude. It's not really going to be like something that he completely came up with. He's oh, playing wow. on with other people's wow. sandbox. It's the same problem I have with one run. Like, let's say... I love the writer um, Jeff Lemire, and okay. he goes and writes for DC all the time. And when he goes and writes for DC, his books don't read like Jeff Lemire books. They read like mandated shit from DC. That's the same thing that happens when a guy like Zack Snyder, who makes films like Sucker Punch that are amazing, goes and um, makes a Superman film. He gets told what he has to, he has to make, and then they change their mind about that even later, and they make him make something that's even different than what they already told him was okay and we end up with the mess of the film that was already out so i get what you're saying but at the same time it's not really something that i i view as his it's still dc's justice league that was somewhat thought up a little bit by Zack snyder that they let him have a piece of in some mercurial way well, I'm just excited to see what ends up happening wherever we wherever we go from here. You know, it'll be nice to see something something positive come out of it. So that's so that's you know ultimately where where I am there. But yeah, all in for Army of the Dead, 100. percent Yeah, that's 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 what I'm dying to see and and hear more about that right there. I think Sucker Punch will be interesting, and, and I'm, I'm happy you brought that up as a miniseries or a, a series on Netflix or something, um, because that movie could have been so good. The, the effects are really from what, dope. From what, we're, from what I've been told, it is, but we never got to see what his what his 
vision but that of what was, that movie really was. No, but that wasn't that like his baby. He wrote it, directed he, it, he, he, he wrote did everything. It, but, in that. but Warner Brothers went in and changed it, like they do it. They went in and made mandates and changes. So that's not even his. Like the version we got two version of two versions of Sucker Punch, and neither one of them was the version that was the version that Zack Snyder would have put out. He said. At his at when he did his uh, Snyder Con last year, that that the reason why he didn't include Snyder, uh, Sucker Punch at the Snyder Con was that we still haven't seen his Sucker Punch. So Which, I, I get where he's coming from, but I mean both sense. versions came out really good. You got to think of it; it's kind of like the same thing that happened with Clive Barker in the movie um, Nightbreed. We, there's two different versions of that. Neither one of them are the ones that Clive Barker made, but they're both just really good movies to watch at the same time. Both yeah. I like both cuts, and like that's the same problem I have with um, the Sucker Punch that came out. I think that even with the meddling, he still made a, a very misunderstood but beautiful film. Like I don't oh, care what absolutely, absolutely. I, like like I said, I mean that would be intriguing. I mean if he if he would do something like that, I'll back that 100% because I initially loved the concept of Sucker Punch and I remember getting the posters and I was like, man, the girl's hot uh, it could be a cool idea and then I saw the movie and I was like this was so badly like edited and put together like I was like super disappointed and I have like, like literally like 50, 60 of the mini posters of that movie because I thought it was going to be like something I loved and then I'm like, damn it it just a, a completely like butchered like the idea of even being like well, a fan uh, well, al- allegedly that's how Zack Snyder feels about it too. So yeah. <laughs> so we could so we, we all have that in common. We yeah. All kind of have that in common <laughs> at least because yeah because what you when you when you look at Sucker Punch you see something that has potential that could have been one hundred percent great. Like you, when you look at it, just from a from a visual style, from a story perspective, it was pretty deep. But you know, there's a lot that you know we didn't get. So I mean, hopefully, that's that movie's the reason why I'm an Oscar Isaac fan. Like him as the villain Blue. I, I after that, I just wanted to see more of that dude. I thought he performed so excellent. Like he was another really good crybaby character, but man, he was just so evil and so good in that. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed the theatrical cut. I actually forced my sister to go see it with me. She wasn't really interested because she didn't like Three Hundred, and um, I thought she was pissed at the end. And I'm like, "Well, what did you think?" And she was <laughs> she was literally sobbing. Really. And it was amazing. It touched her um, deeper than it did me. It's like one of her favorite films ever. Like, wow. um, she bought the steel two copies of the Steel Book when it came out. One for me and one for her when it came out of the extended cut. So, yeah, um, yeah. And I and I've seen it in theaters as well. But I, I I prefer the prefer the extended cut myself. But yeah, but but they're both decent. I I have to admit, that, I, you know. I, I didn't hate with- it, but I but I just want to see I just want to see what it is that was initial wasn't wasn't was what the project was intended to be, you know. So, a lot of these films are like yeah. that. Like that, that's the same thing with The Watchmen. I enjoyed it when I saw it in the theaters, but now I can't watch the theatrical yeah. cut. I can I can only watch the director's cut, and if I have time, I'll watch the ultimate cut. But like that one yeah. is way too long to watch on a normal basis, so I usually yeah. end up watching the director's cut, which is fine. It's it's really good cut of the film, in my opinion. 
yeah, much yeah, better yeah. than the theatrical, definitely. I got yeah, the theatrical that. cut. But see, and that's that, but see, but that's what keeps happening with him. We're seeing a pattern here with all of his. But why does it keep that's happening? What? That's the thing. That guy, how does the same thing happen to the same guy? Like he signed to work for Warner Brothers, and they just do, yeah, don't. Warner get Brothers him. does that. But see, Warner Brothers does that to is doing does that to a lot of filmmakers, though not just him. That's why I'm saying we're at a point where Warner. It's just it seems like to me it sounds like it's just a Warner Brothers thing. That they that they tend to be very well. They're very they're meta- the worst at it. All studios do it. All studios do it. Unless you go fully indie and make your own films and have somebody like A two four put it out for you after it's done, like you're gonna have some people with their hand in your cookie jar. But um, from what I, from the past few years, yeah, Warner Brothers is just the very worst at it. Um, uh, the only guy that I hear never complain about it is Nolan. For some reason, they just leave him well enough alone, or at least he doesn't complain as much as other people do. But that's because, why like, David Ayer know. and a lot of people are going to Netflix, like Zack Snyder, who yeah. used to be Warner Brother directors and are still under contract with them. Right. They're, just gonna, they're going and making these films for streaming sites because it doesn't count as films, and they can write out the rest of their contract. True story. Yeah. Uh, Netflix, I think, uh, has the upper leg on a lot of these networks because of that. And you know what's funny? They're trying to buy Viacom CBS now. Think about that. If Netflix acquires that network, uh, Star Trek will belong to Netflix. Oh, and they might actually make some good shows finally for Star Trek. God, I, I would kill for an actual watchable Star Trek show right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, Look, I'm a Star Wars fanatic, but I like Star Trek. I enjoyed the reboot with J.J. Abrams to a limit. Actually, I thought 1, 2, and 3 were good. Uh, and I'll leave it as a trilogy. Just leave that as J.J.'s trilogy and move on to, like, you know, back to the regular timeline. Uh, I, you know, I love Doug Jones, but Discovery, like, irritates the hell out of me. I can't watch that series. Picard was great, five, six episodes in, and then something completely off the rails happened with that show. Uh, I I will see the second season because I love the you know the character of Picard and what they did with him. While I didn't agree with it, it this a curiosity factor. I want to see kind of where they they go with this uh, storyline. So you know when second season hits, so sometime next year of that, I'm interested enough to like give it a chance. But if that second season doesn't live up to expectations, man, I can't see a third season of Picard. And Patrick Stewart's getting old. I mean, this just be real. He's not gonna be able to play Picard forever either, or any main character that he's the main guy. Unless it's Professor X and he's in the wheelchair the whole time, then yeah, you know, it's a lot easier. But for anything that's kind of demanding of him running a little bit or doing, you know, physical stuff. Oh yeah, you could you could already see how it was how it was kind of taxing him in 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 the season that we got. You know, he's yeah. Legit too, not even like BS. Like he, like he, you could tell that he just was not like it, like you know Picard or not Con Picard because that's what he's known for mostly to me for. But Patrick Stewart is one of these actors where uh, he really, really sinks his teeth into a role and he really gets into like the performance. And you could tell like when he's just fatigued and it's real. When he's you know like just hamming up a performance or. Just, you know, like, he's just there because he has to, but he's not really engaged 
with everything that he's doing because maybe health or personal. Hell, maybe that's the way the character was written for this series. We really don't know, but whatever happened, I know that, you know, we talked about this before, there were, you know, so many production changes with the people in charge of the show and yada, 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 and uh, that's what's going to irritate and change things. Maybe that's what happened to him, because the first three or four episodes, we were saying it, me and Todd, and, and I think Johnny, too. We yeah, all no, said I, it early I, on. I liked it until about, yeah, until about they got to the alien, to, to the um, to the cube, and they rescued the yeah. girl, and then it just really got stupid from yeah. there. And Seven yeah. of Nine, I love her, and I want to see her more Star Trek she stuff. She was badass, too. I She's awesome. Her as, like the crazy bounty hunter. Yeah. I, I was, like, really excited when she woke up all the Borg. I'm like, oh, she's going to be... And, like, nope, they just opened the door and kill all the Borg. And I'm just like, why did you even bother doing that then? Like, what What was that? I, the, the show was just full of moments like that in the second half. I was just like... It made, it made no sense to me. Like, who wrote that? And why couldn't it have been done by anybody else? <laughs> Especially when you have an entire network at your shoulders and you have to, like... This has to be a hit because, you know, you're already getting the bad press from, you know, Discovery. You know, you cannot fail with Picard, especially such an iconic character like that. And I can't believe they, they completely butchered, like, a lot of that and second and, part of that season. Ending with the goddamn fucking robot space Cthulhu. Like, what was that? Did that, that make any sense to anybody ever? Like, had they ever done that in a Star Trek before? Like, have a... Um... <laughs> It, it was cyber Cthulhu's man. It was, like, I was, it, was pain, <laughs> it was pain. It was painful. It was actually it was it was yeah. quite cringe to watch when you think about it. I mean, we got to admit though, guys. At first, when we first saw that first couple episodes, we all kind of I think collectively maybe we didn't touch on it, but I think at least personally, I was like, this feels almost like Star Wars the sequels in a sense. Like it's going to start off good. But I could almost see it like going downhill very quickly. Yeah, I did have that vibe. Right. I, you know, when, when you have when you have Patrick Stewart, you kind of don't want to have that feeling. You kind of want to give it the benefit of the doubt, think it's going to be good because you don't want him to be in anything bad. I mean, it's Patrick Stewart. I but. think they should just yeah. do another show all about Will Riker and um, uh, Deanna Troy hanging out eating pizza. Like that, that, that would was like be the watchable. Part of the, <laughs> the coolest part of the second half of the show was Riker just making pizza with his barbecue smoker and shit. It's like, well, Riker turned into like a redneck ninja turtle. That's awesome. <laughs> In a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> <laughs> and man, he's really aged badly. In any case, hey, he got he so got, much weight. He got her back from Wharf, though, man. So, like, good for him. I didn't think that would be easy. I'd, I'd like to see True. the fight between the two of them. What did it say? Uh, once you go Klingon, you you never. Uh, what's the saying? But what would rhyme with Klingon? Ding dong. I don't know. Yeah, you ne- you never like a human ding dong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> once you go Klingon, you'll never have a human ding dong. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> At least a, a velvet one. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like there was, there were some good characters. I really like Captain Rios. I think he had potential. I, I'm actually excited to see what they might do with him in the future. I didn't really like Raffi. I didn't really like the Doctor Lady. 
I like the one robot girl because she's cute, but I don't know if her character was actually really that good or not. I really hope if that um, emo El Guapo Romulan guy shows back up, they kill him. I hate that guy. Well, guapo. Like, El guapo. Don't come here. <laughs> like, what the hell was wrong? What, what, what made anybody think that? Like, oh, we got the sexy Romulan with the messed up hair. Like, it was like, why? It was stupid. Romulans all had the same like Paul McCartney haircut. That's that's how you know they're Romulans. What the hell. Yeah. Poor uh, El Guapo Romulan. <laughs> Emo El Guapo. Yeah. It, yeah, he had a plethora of reasons to be. Emo. Why, Waffle? <laughs> Would you say I have a plethora? <laughs> yeah, I would say you have a plethora. Yes, I would say that. Do you know what a plethora is? Why, Waffle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, did I ran across somebody who told me they didn't like that movie, and I was like, we can't be friends. I'm just yeah, letting I'm... you know right now. Like, that's... That's... Who who can dislike the three amigos, man? Yeah, like... it's, it's a wrap for our well, friendship. Like right people there. that don't like the big Lebowski. Yeah, that's blasphemy. That's the big blasphemy. Then, so that is. Speaking of the big Lebowski, have, have, have any of you uh, seen uh, Bowling for Jesus? Jesus rolls. Um, I have uh, part of it, not the entire thing, not because it, it was terrible or anything. I, you know, I, it was it was kind of like amusing, and but not it's not the Big Lebowski. It's like a loose spinoff kind of. Right, a spinoff with the character. Right. It's just about John Turturro, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, his storyline and people and stuff. And uh, he's good in what I've seen. I haven't had a chance to finish it for other reasons, but. Um, from what I hear, it's not the greatest uh, movie. Halfway through, you're going to be like, what the hell's happening here? But, you know, a lot of critics early on, they don't like the Big Lebowski. And then it kind of like grew into this cult status thing. And now it's like everybody loves that movie. Like, even people that hated it at first are like, yeah, we saw it like but three times. And then the third time, we, we realized we loved it. And I'm like, dude, I was saying that the first time I saw that movie. Are you kidding me? Like, that was epic. Like... Like how could you? How could anybody hate the Big Lebowski? Like, I don't I, even really like the Coen Brothers very much, and I love that movie. I know. Like, like you want a I, toe, dude? <laughs> there, I could get you a toe by two thirty. There are ways, dude. <laughs> do you want to do a J? Like, come on! Like, you know, I keep like not like that. You know, it's like I, I've lived like the dude. You know, I can say that I am the dude in a lot of ways. I. I you know, like, I lived my life by his model. Just, you know, like, do a J and uh, just uh, be happy. Like, you know, like, why you've bother? Had, you've had German nihilists piss on your rug? Yes, and they really tied the room together. And it sucked that they pissed on it. That's what I'm saying. We have no time for your rules, <laughs> Lebowski. <laughs> How can you hate a movie that has Flea in it from, like, you know, I mean, Seriously. They threw a ferret in the bathtub with them, man. That was scary. I know. That was like, the scary ass part. I mean, flee from like Red Hot Chili Peppers. How can you like hate that dude? Like anything he's in, I gotta watch. I mean, let's be honest. That dude's awesome. So. Oh yeah. Well, that, yeah. One of my favorites with him is. Um, have you seen it? It's a Charlie Sheen movie called The Chase. With it's him and both Anthony Kiedis, and they like got this monster truck. They're hilarious in that movie, man. It's a dumbass yep. movie, but they're really good in it. Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a flea fan. That doesn't even sound right. I, I'm I don't a even know how that guy fan. can still walk. Like, have you ever seen him play his bass in the way like he contorts his body? Like, yeah, I don't understand how he can still move because like, like 
ow. Like, I used to slam dance when I was younger and stuff, and it, it took its toll on me, you know what I mean? I'm kind of rickety now that I'm uh, in my middle age. I can't even believe that Flea can still, he's not, like, wheelchair-bound. Yeah, it's it's really strange and cringeworthy. Uh, guys, we're, we, man, two hours just uh, flew by. We're, we're all out of time here on the uh, Roundtable show. It's been fun uh, uh, talking that, you know, nerdy stuff with you guys, but I know we all got uh, stuff to do tomorrow, especially you, Johnny. Uh, anything coming up uh, that you want to like plug away? Because you know this is a roundtable of hosts, and I know you have the uh, the other show that's uh, always keeping you busy. So you want to plug uh, that real quick? Yeah, we got nerds from the underground. We just put up a brand new episode where my buddies Fred and uh, Michael they Sweet. talk about uh, Frog Catcher by Jeff Lemire. It's a very cool, very surreal book, and they also talk about Folklords by Matt Kent, which is a pretty cool. Um, uh, kind of fantasy mystery thing. It's a lot of fun. Um, I highly recommend both books. And after listening to my buddies talk about it, you'll be interested. You can find us. Uh, the podcast is called Nerds from the Underground. We're on both, uh, what's it called, iTunes and the Spotify. And you can also find us on the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Oh, and I also have a video that I'm going to be making this weekend called Your Kung Fu is Old and Now You Must Die because I read a bunch of really good um, martial arts um, graphic novels this week. And, yeah, it's been a while since I've made a video, and this is going to be a good comeback. Nice. You got to link me that, man, so I can, like, you know, post it everywhere when it's uh, up and help you get promotion for it. I've seen some of the other ones, and they're, they're really cool, man. I like, I like what you guys are doing there, so best of luck on that. Hell, yeah. Thanks, brother. Continue with the good work, my friend. Did those programs uh, come out good for you? The ones I sent you? Oh yeah, oh, I'm I've been playing with the main one that you sent me a lot. lot I'm having a good time. I've just been cutting some stuff and just nice. working on it. And yeah, I should be able to be actually making video videos and and not like my normal uh, comic book graphic novel only videos in in the near future, in the very near future, hopefully. Well, if you and your uh, buddies in that network need any help with that program to get you going, you let me know. You know, Hell yeah, I'm brother. Always, I'm always available to help you guys out. So best of luck for that network and uh, for your show, man. It's really a cool show. So everybody check it out. Bookmark it. Check out the, the, the new one coming out soon. And I can't wait to see the episode. So uh, that's good times. And Zod, I know that you always have uh, big shows coming up on Tuesday nights. What's going on with you? You got anything live this week? Well, as of right now, as of right now, I'm uh, I've got some things in development that I'm working on, and hopefully, I'll have something uh, something big next week. I, I don't I don't know for sure because I'm waiting to hear waiting to hear back, but we'll see what happens. Uh, there's a possibility I could have a a well a pretty popular author on my show next Tuesday if it's possible. So we'll see what happens. Oh, good times. There you go. Here to hear, J.K. Rowling is going to be on the Zod Rider show. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be uh, that would be a difficult show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I better get ratings. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. People would definitely tune into it, but it would be it would be difficult. But. I mean, you yeah. you might not get uh, the 200 million listeners that some people claim they're going to be getting in the future, sometime in the very far distant future. But you know, I think you'd do pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Hey, anything is possible, right? So, yeah, exactly. Who knows? Who knows? J.K. Rowling is probably uh, social distancing like the rest of us. So, you know. 
<laughs> I was still trying to get yeah. PewDiePie kicked off of YouTube. That's the last thing I heard she was doing, so... Yeah, that and trying to explain why uh, she had to make one of her wizards gay in a movie. Like, what was the purpose of that? Like, well, he's only like they say that he's gay, but he's not. They don't actually ever show him being. I know so that's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's, people are mad about it. It's like I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I guess some people will never be satisfied. What's the purpose? I, I, I hate to be on her side of that one, but it's like. She just was trying to throw you guys a bone a little bit, man. Like, ease off. Like, it's a kids' movie. Nobody makes out in them anyways. Like, you expect two dudes to just, for some no, reason, No, but like, that, that's the reason why you shouldn't include that kind of thing, because it makes no sense. It goes nowhere, and it's a kids' movie. Like, what, you know, what's the purpose? There's no need for it. Just, I remember when movies weren't political like that, and you could just go and watch a movie and have fun with it. Like, I missed that, you know, like... Uh, does it have to have that you know diversity of like oh this wizard is you know dating that other wizard and they're both got like who cares like just have a fun movie like that's one of the things I never liked about her to begin with and uh, you know it just rubbed me the, the wrong way completely that I didn't like the original Harry Potter in fact it's funny because I went to see it in theaters for free and I walked out. <laughs> I, I actually like the original Harry Potter, but by that I mean um, Neil Gaiman's character Tim Hunter from Books of Magic, which she completely ripped the character off of. So, pretty yeah, true story. True story, yeah, true yeah, story. Yeah. And you don't believe me? Go look up. Man, it came out in 1987. Neil Gaiman, Books of Magic, DC yeah. comic. Look at Tim Hunter. Tell me that she didn't rip Harry Potter off from that. Actually, I'll go even a little further back because I read this as a kid. Have you ever heard of Larry Potter? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. yes. I've, I've never heard I've, of Larry Potter, but that's... <laughs> and the Wizards of the Mughals, which is, like, everything is, is spelled almost exactly the same with, like, one or two iterations that she changed. And literally, she dissected that book when it went out of print. Uh, and there was a copyright issue that went out of copyright from the original owner. She never renewed the copyright. So she literally like lifted the entire Harry Potter and almost by name Larry Potter, Harry Potter. The the kid had glasses. He was a wizard. Moguls, Mughals. Like, are you serious? Like, how much more like of a complete plagiarism? You know, can you can you do? The only reason she won in court was because the the initial copyright was you know it, it had expired on the initial author, and she never renewed it. That's the only reason. She was allowed yeah, to get away with I mean, it. Come on, if you're going to rip people off, at least do it like the Wachowskis did with the Matrix and rip off you so know? much stuff that it's hard enough for everybody to just come in and prove it because, like, like go for the gold. Like, do Ghost from the Shell, Serial mm-hmm. Experiments Lane, Terminator, everything William Gibson ever wrote, everything Philip K. Dick ever wrote. And then, like, yeah, like, watch them try to be like, hey, you stole that from me. And, like, yeah, we stole everything from everybody. It's yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and then they stole their own identity and became women. Go figure. From the Bukowski brothers to the siblings to the, the sisters. The sisterhood of Wachowski. Yes. By the way, Sunday night at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern to midnight, I have the one and only world-famous Tim Weisberg is going to be on Inside the Jackal's Head. And uh, he is one of the many now former hosts on Midnight in the Desert, which was the show that the legendary icon Art Bell, my mentor in radio, uh, who's passed away now, uh, you know, did for six, seven months before he left that show and couldn't do it anymore. 
And, uh, you know, there's been uh, Heather Wade and a bunch of other replacements. He replaced the replacement of the replacement of our bell. And then Tim lasted a few months. I have no idea why he left. Uh, but now they have another guy named Tim, Tim Osman, on that show. Not Rick Osman. Uh, not that guy. Another Osman. And uh, this guy's a flat earther. So, you know, he's legit. Oh, God. Yeah, I love those <laughs> yeah. people. Yeah, you know how I love my flat earthers. Uh, but I have Tim Weisberg on, and he's actually a really, really, really cool dude. So I'm looking forward to having him on this Sunday coming up at 10 p.m. to midnight. So, guys, please bookmark that, all three of us. We have uh, new content coming out. And uh, we, we might not hit 200 million listeners or subscribers, but we're going to get a lot of those folks who I uh, do want to listen and, uh, you know, have fun and entertaining stuff to like not only listen to but some insightful stuff that's going to actually open some eyes on you know all our shows and uh 200 million is the velveta of the show so yes what can you do yeah what can you do uh maybe i'll put a red mop on my head i don't know uh, but, uh, gentlemen, it's been fun once again. Uh, you know, we got to move on, and uh, hopefully next week we're all alive and well and back on the round table on Thursday night. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you, know, you never know anymore. You know, it's like, uh, what happened to this guy? Well, he croaked, and, uh, you know, now we've got to replace him. But uh, hopefully none of that happens, and we don't have to replace anybody. And you guys listening out there, we don't have to replace you either. So please come back next week. Again, if you guys want to check out the podcast for this show, go to my website. It'll be up and running on the uh, SoundCloud within a, a couple hours. Uh, AngelSpinal.com. It'll be there. Uh, free podcasting. You can also go, of course, as always, to uh, PSN-Radio.com for more info and insight on this show, my show, Zod Show, and Johnny Alpha. I'm sorry, this is the only one you participate on PSN Radio. I wish you did more, but you know, I know you're a busy guy with uh, you know real life stuff. On uh, you're one of the essential employees. So God bless yeah. you for do everything you do, and for all those out there who are putting their butts on the line and boots on the ground and working hard and doing what they got to do to keep you know the the things moving for their uh, livelihoods. And uh, again, everybody, stay safe, stay indoors or outdoors, whatever you do, just stay safe. You know, and stay stay classy. Uh, stay classy exactly. And and remember, San Diego needs a whale's vagina. Gentlemen, till next time, I bid you farewell.